0: Well, greetings and salutations, everybody! Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around. As we talk about our favorite things in the world: movies, movie news, TV streaming, all sorts of good things. Congratulations coming through to the beginning of another week. May you have a wonderful week planned in front of you, and we're so glad. They decided to join us on this one-hour sleep-deprived beginning to a new week. Of course, the clock's changed. Hate that it did it on a Sunday. Mm -mm. God, I hate that. You know, I used to live in Saskatchewan. No. I used to live in Saskatchewan, Canada, which I believe is the one province in Canada that does not recognize the clock changes. So we never we never changed our clocks.
1: We shouldn't.
0: No, no, we shouldn't. But it was really Stupid. weird that the rest of the country. Some weeks I'd be one hour difference from my from the home in Hamilton, Toronto. Some months I'd be two hours
2: separated. But anyway,
0: <laughs> we're glad you're here joining us, and I'm not alone. Also joining us is the sleep deprived Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing?
2: Dude, I'm part vampire, so I'm <laughs> I'm all about more night, and I I don't like to spring forward.
0: No. No, that uh, that seems kind of like a bunch of bullshit to me. Anyway, also joining us, sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rayor joining you guys in the live chat today. I just got to say,
3: I never met
0: nobody <laughs> like you. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, a little bit of a, you, you, Rob. Doesn't part. know what we're talking about. I at this know point. what you talk.
2: I get it. All right, sitting so right that. over here, of course, is I also Chris it.
0: Carr. Chris, how you
1: doing? Hi, I'm great. I'm not sleep deprived. I love mornings. You look bright
0: today. Thanks. Like you radiate. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if it's the yellow or it might your be. disposition today.
1: It's I love of it? mornings. What? Oh, I'm just very productive <laughs> in them. I'm a Disney princess, Rob. I wake up and woodland creatures greet me.
0: Wow. <laughs> and she sings out the window. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I can you know, totally see that happen, <laughs> like, I used to
2: get him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, God, every morning. He's,
1: like, he's a vampire, and he's like, "Why are you away?
2: <laughs> Do these birds have to fly in here every morning?" Well, I used to get up to a Bambi, but it wasn't a deer. Uh, (laughs) Oh. No, I'm just kidding. uh, That was a joke. I've never even met a (laughs) Bambi.
0: Anyway, guys, it is good to have you here joining us today. We're glad that you are. And listen, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. And if you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, and you'd like to get a comment or question read on the show, go ahead and use the super chat feature over there in the YouTube chat, and we'll read those off once we get to the end of the main topics warning though they are almost full already so if you want to get in a comment or question you probably better do it in the next couple of minutes before i shut it down um also guys a little bit of housekeeping I want to remind you if you need your daily fix of the john campion show but you can't always be in front of a youtube video maybe you're commuting or you're at the gym or something good news there is an audio only version and we call it simply the john Campia show podcast that's just the audio version of the show go on your favorite podcasting app of choice search for the john campion show and subscribe to it today, apply to it today. No, no application needed, subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. Also, you guys know that a little over a month ago we launched a brand new show called Movie Club and we've been having a great time doing it. But we don't put the audio feed for that on the regular John Campia podcast feed. It's got its own podcast feed. So just go on your, once again, your favorite podcasting app of choice. Search for Movie Club, a John Campia show podcast, and subscribe to it today so you can listen in on all the fun conversation we have about some of our favorite movies. And what are we watching tomorrow, John? Uh, Tomorrow? I'm glad that you asked, Rob. Tomorrow, for the next installment of Movie Club, which is going to be live at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we are going to be doing Django Unchained, the Quentin Tarantino masterpiece of a film. So if you guys want to join us for that, get caught up on the film and come on by and join us for Movie Club tomorrow. All right, guys, with all that down and out of the way, let's move on and start taking some off the tops here, shall we? And our first off the top is this. I love the Shrek films. I actually think Shrek Two is my is my favorite of the series. That's the one where they go to Far Far Away, right? Is that the name of the the distant kingdom, Far Far Away? I think, I think that's the is. name of the kingdom. Yes, I think so. But that's the one when we first meet Prince Charming. It's the second one. I mean, but I, I I'm a sucker for the for those films. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to come out of the Shrek films, though, was Puss in Boots. I love the character. Uh, they, then he had his first solo movie. I thought it was all right. There were definitely some super good highlights to it. Like some really good highlights to, to uh, the original been Puss in Boots though. movie. Could have been better, but still, you know, I, I still was on board with the character and I was totally down with watching more. And then they announced that there was going to be another Puss in Boots, but it really does feel like it has been forever since we heard any announcements. Well, now we got our first look. The first images for the new Puss in Boots have come out, at least the first image. And we've got this description. I I literally just got this in an email from Universal like five minutes before the show started. But this is basically their rundown of what Puss Puss in Boots is going to be called Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And here's the synopsis of it. Academy Award nominee Antonio Banderas, I love Antonio. Too sexy, Antonio. Too sexy. I love Antonio Banderas. uh, Returns as the voice of the notorious Puss in Boots as he embarks on an epic journey into the Black Forest to find the mythical wishing star and restore his lost lives. But with only one life left, Puss will have to humble himself and ask for help from his former partner and nemesis, the captivating Kitty Softpaws, who's being voiced by Academy Award nominee Salma Hayek. Now it's listing some of the cast, get this, Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek, Olivia Coleman, who's up for (laughs) another Academy Award this year. Uh, John Mulaney, who, of course, is a great stamp comedian, but the voice of uh, Spider-Ham. Florence Pugh, who's going to be in the new Dune, of course. Uh, Ray Winstone. I love Ray Winstone. Of course, Florence Pugh. This is a reunion for Florence Pugh and Ray Winstone, who worked together in uh, Black Widow. So that's what we've got coming and is on the way. I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to this. I, I, I get it. Puss in Boots is not for everybody, but I adore the character. I think it's been done really well, even though the first movie wasn't all that great. But I still i am looking forward to going back again. The voice cast sounds great. The little story outline sounds good. But let's face it. The story is almost secondary. We're just here to see Puss and all the great dialogue. And hopefully there's a lot of great dialogue. But I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I'm liking what I'm, I'm hearing from this. Anyway, Chris, you had a chance to see this and hear about it. You got any... Any excitement or interest for a Puss in Boots? This
1: sounds adorable. And it's so nice to have Antonio back as the voice too, because obviously for the DreamWorks shows and everything, they usually use a sound-alike for these. The great Eric Bauza has been doing those. He's wonderful, but it's nice to have Antonio back in the the hat and boots, right? Um, The cast sounds wonderful. We also have Guillermo from What We Do in Shadows in this. Oh, yes. And I adore him, I'm so glad he's doing more stuff. And I'm really interested in a DreamWorks film that is going to uh, look at feline mortality.
0: I mean, yeah, that we need that. By the way, the guy who plays uh, Gizmo or Guillermo mm-hmm. in what we do in the shadows, I was Anne and I. We love him, so we always get a kick. So he's in that. Um, what's the insurance company does with the lizard?
1: Oh, it's Geico. Geico.
0: So he does that one Geico commercial yeah. with the lizard. But then, watching Jack Reacher, all of a sudden he popped up. He's the uh, he's the um, not the what's the me? You no, know, not the medical examiner. He is the, the corner. The, the, the coroner. He's you the coroner have... in Jack Reacher, and Yay. it's like, it's kind of cool to see him stretching his boundaries a bit. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this. What do you think about uh, another Puss in Boots?
2: Well, speaking of feline mortality, I just want to shout out one of my mom's cats died over the weekend. Oh. Um, oh. One less problem in the world.
0: Oh, oh I'm sorry. Too shine. soon. Wow. Too soon. Shine. I'm sorry. My mom's that big golfer, and <laughs>
2: no, She she uh, rescued these two cats, uh, Bunker and Bogey. I do like the name. She's a big. She's a big golfer. Uh,
0: that's a pretty good name. I yeah, like those and
2: uh, uh, Bogey passed away from 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 oh, uh, stomach cancer. So, oh, hi, not to bum you out, Chris. I'm
4: so sad. Now. But
2: uh, no, you know. <laughs> so, mom, there you go. Uh, uh, you know, I I uh, I think I love the Puss in Boots character. I thought that the getting Antonio Banderas to voice that character was inspired genius genius i mean it was it was and that whole you know i think antonio banderas has had uh uh roles when he played armand in interview with a vampire i'm like just the way he spoke i I love you know he can do no wrong coming out from spain and oh man i love that guy so um yeah zorro Bring it on, John. <laughs> I, I I just I'm a huge fan, and what a great voice cast. And I'm sure the wishing thing always kind of wor- worries me. Ever since Wonder Woman '84, I don't I don't think anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I don't, that causes a little bit of concern. Yeah, I'm like you know wishes. Yeah, you know what my problem with wishes are though, John. Whenever somebody like makes a wish about something, even if it's like uh, you have three, you know, you rub a, a, a lamp and a genie comes out and gives you a wish. There's always some bad ramifications. Like you never thought like. You make a wish, but then there's always something that comes along that you didn't think of. I wish
0: I was famous. Well, okay, you're the world's most notorious mass murderer. Yeah, it's always something like that.
2: Now, if there's a genie, it makes sense. But if there's just some rando stone you rub, like, where's (laughs) is there some intellect behind it? Is there some place in the universe where, oh, so-and-so's used this wish rock? And then there's got to be somebody that decides, like, all the details of the wish. Like, who makes those decisions? So that's why I've never liked... Like, what if the wish people go, well, what if we only give, give him back six of his lives?
0: Dude, I, know, I remember I was like 13, and I knew that if I ever came across a genie or something, got to make a wish, before I would do it, I would go hire a lawyer and write out every conceivable clause in a contract, say, this is my wish, specifically. Uh, he's gone by and then. And yeah, he he's he's, he's, he's like,
2: why doesn't anyone just have two wishes and then save their third wish and say, Mr. Genie? I would like you to take this wish, this third wish, and do with it what you would like to do. Hopefully that would secure well, the first two wishes.
1: Because of human greed, Ralph.
0: Well, that's the whole premise of Aladdin, isn't it? I guess so. Which is, I'm going to save my third wish for you, Jeannie. Spoiler. I mean, Spoiler. <laughs> in case you're not oh. familiar with aladdin <laughs> spoiler Ooh.
2: alert well, maybe i should take just one wish and give the other two to genies you know by,
0: by the way i should address this as quickly in the light la- a few people saying why when did you change the start time of the show we didn't we always start the show at 10 a.m pacific standard time <laughs> of course the clocks change happens twice a year guys yeah. get, get on the thing anyway guys question is for you what do you think about the first look and the synopsis for the upcoming Puss in Boots. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of this character. I really like it. A lot of people aren't, and that's fine, too. Are you excited for it? Maybe you're not. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. Speaking of adorable animated characters, um, there was a little film that came out a little while back called Sonic. And for those of you who might be new around here, I, I, I didn't even know why they were making it. To be honest, I didn't think it looked all that great. Uh, and I'm not talking about the character design. I thought the movie itself didn't look all that great. I mean, you had Jim Carrey in it, and good Canadian kid. That's always going to catch my attention. And then I watched it, and damn, if it didn't win me over. I really like that film. That's that's a funny, charming. Sweet. I mean, I don't think it's a great movie, but it's really quite good. And and Anne and I watched it at least three times together. Quite enjoyed it. Talking about, like, good Canadian kid, Jim Carrey just stole the movie. But not that anybody else was bad in it. It was just a really good overall film. So then they announced they're doing another one. We got our first trailer. Uh, we've got Idris Elba coming as Knuckles. Well, today they launched a brand new trailer. And I honestly didn't know if they were even going to do another new trailer, but they put it out because I thought the first trailer they put out was plenty good. This trailer's better. It, it gave is us, yeah, yeah, we actually got a better idea about what the story is. We understand kind of what it is now that uh, Robotnik is kind of after. Like, actually, he's looking for the destruction of all humanity for whatever his reasons are. We got a little bit more of Knuckles, we got some epic looking shots in it. Uh, some good humor they're really leaning into that winter soldier line like they've used it like three times now they used it in the previous spot they used it in the trailer to the trailer and then of course it's in the trailer here so but whatever it is a funny gag um it looks like it's visually going to be fun like that whole ray you were pointing out that snowboarding scene yep. like that just visually looked really good it's good and so yeah i've I've gone from being skeptical about the first Sonic movie to actually being pretty damn excited about this one. And I think what we've seen here looks really good. Rob, you had a chance to check out this Sonic trailer. What did
2: you think about it? Well, you know, for me, an aging man with one foot in the grave, the Sonic franchise is something that perhaps I, you know, wouldn't be my first choice to watch. But I have to say, the first movie, despite my reservations, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And this actually. If you're going to continue the sonic franchise this movie looks you know pretty good like like it 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 looks it looks fairly engaging and it has an interesting plot and uh i'd watch it and i think that's a that's a win and i thought this trailer was was like you said it's much better it defines what's going on and anyone who wants to destroy all of humanity always has my attention so <laughs>
0: Ray, you you had a chance to watch. I know you liked the first Sonic movie. Yeah, I did. So, I,
2: what, what I was you surprised th- too. So,
0: what do you think about the trailer?
3: Um, it looks good. I like all the scenes in it. I like Jim Carrey's new outfit. We got the Sonic Buster yeah. or whatever that robot is at <laughs> right. the end. Um, the the snowboarding part looks like it's gonna be the the big uh, scene in the movie. And then they, the big they, set they piece. There, there was a couple of spoilers I think at the end where you know I wish they could have saved it. Um, If anyone's seen it, he's uh, running across the water. I think that's, like, probably at the end, probably. (laughs) But um, everything looks good. I mean, Jim Carrey looks good. I like his new Xbox-colored outfit. Um, You love that color. Yeah. I love that. And you hate
2: it because it's, like, partly the Seahawks green. (laughs) I know it, dude. You can't. Well, Xbox is Microsoft, so it is kind of Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: it's all Seattle.
3: Yeah, Yeah, but it's just green, man. They're green and whatever, blue or whatever you call their blue. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I, I, I'm down that's to see this. I, I think Knuckles looks intimidating. That one scene he had in the trailer yeah, where he brought that yeah, guy yeah. down, I was like, yeah, you're not messing with any animal. Any any animal that's actually half human, you don't mess mm-hmm. with. So, Chris,
0: I know you're looking forward to this probably yeah. more than anybody else in this room. What so do you think about the new about trailer?
1: It. I love this there's that great easter egg with the green hill zone music as the ringtone <laughs> they say the word echidna so everyone knows how to pronounce what nothing yeah, i was like i was like okay so that's how you say because yeah, i Knuckles remember like what, how do you say this word i love all that i love what we're seeing here there's so much great uh story in this trailer so we know more of the context of what's happening with the chaos uh emeralds and with robotnik I'm really, really pumped. And I just think, you know, I've said it before on the show, Ben Schwartz knocks it out of the park as a voice actor. He's one of those actors who can go between the medium so, so well. His improv background just really, really serves him. And he does such a good job bringing this character to life. I'm so pumped to see more of it. The thing
0: about Ben is he's just great in everything. everything. Yeah. He's the best thing
1: in everything he's in. He, he really is.
0: Did did you see that one comedy special on Netflix that was Ben and the lead guy from um, Silicon Valley.
1: Middle Ditch and Shorts. Yes. Yeah, did, their improv thing. Did you see that little yeah. improv special? Oh, I, I watch it all the time.
4: That was really <laughs> I love good.
1: It. I, lo- I don't think I've been clear with how much of a crush I have on Ben Schwartz. I love him so much. And that special is so good. And like living in LA, we all get really burnt out on improv, right? Because you always have a friend who's like, I'm in my improv 101 class. Yeah, and I'd love for no, you to I, come to my showcase. And I know like, at least I, six
0: people doing yeah, it. Yeah,
1: and you don't want to go to a comedy's biggest dick thing. That's what it is, really. Mm-hmm. It's not people working together. It's someone trying to be the funniest in the room a lot of times. And they both do such a good job showcasing what long form improv is supposed to be. Listening to each other, telling a story. If it's funny, awesome. But what's more important is actually connecting with one another. So it's a great introduction into excellent improv. And
0: then he was also great in House of Lies. So um, good uh, uh, with Don Cheadle mm-hmm. which was so good in that but I just keep going back. he'll always be John Ralphio to me
1: he's so good as John Ralphio his turn in the after party is so wonderful oh yeah I, his, like, yeah
0: that's right you only get one shot twice yeah as oh, he's that's, great as that he's he's just so good mm-hmm. anyway guys questions for you have you had a chance to see the new Sonic trailer maybe you have no interest in this uh franchise maybe you have a lot maybe this Trailer changed your mind. Maybe it didn't do anything to move the needle. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. Let's do one more off the top here, shall we? That's a pretty significant one, and that is this. Now, we know one of the biggest shifts, at least the biggest shift in entertainment since Disney acquired Fox is the upcoming acquisition that Discovery is buying Warner Media, Warner Brothers, HBO Max. Now, now for those of you who are behind on this story, yes, you heard that right. It isn't the other way around. It's not Warner Brothers buying Discovery Plus, which is what you'd think it would be. It is Discovery Plus buying Warner Brothers, and they're about to take the whole damn thing over. Now, a lot of the questions that we've been having about this, besides a lot of excitement, and I'll tell you straight up, I'm very excited about David Zaslav and the guys at Discovery taking over Warner Brothers. Things got a lot of potential for a very bright future. But one of the questions has been, okay, so what's going to be the fate of HBO Max and Discovery Plus? Two streaming services that I'm not going to lie. I like very much. Mm-hmm. I have Discovery Plus on all the time. I don't care. I don't care. About that. I'm a love it or it, Guy.
1: It's am, such a fun show.
0: It is such a fun show. I am absolutely a Property Brothers guy. Oh, man. I like Guy Fieri, that big Great. I like guys. The like, Sonic the Hedgehog. Like. V- they blunt Sonic the <laughs> Hedgehog. I like these shows and I don't care. Yeah. Me and Ann like put popping them on every once in a while. But and then of course HBO Max is a tremendously good streaming service. Well, what's gonna happen with that once Discovery takes over? Are they gonna put into a bundle deal like Disney does with Disney Plus and Hulu? Will they try to merge them into one service? Well, we actually have the absolute answer to that now. They're going to merge them into one streaming service. Now, we all knew this was a possibility, but I honestly thought if I had to put five bucks on it, I probably would have thought they might have kept it as a bundle deal, but they are actually going to combine the two services primarily because they believe running them as one service is going to save them $3 billion per year. They believe it's going to save them three billion per per year. That's a that's a substantial savings. In, joke. That is a five years. That's fifteen billion dollars. In
1: advertise. In ho- for how? For why? What? Well, Explain. here's the part
0: that a lot of people forget about. Like I remember when I did our, our breakdown about maybe six months a year ago. I did a full breakdown about the actual cost to run a Disney Plus or a Netflix, and the one thing that everybody always knows, you know, acquisition. They know licensing fees, marketing what everybody forgets because we all use YouTube is the actual technology and operation side, which runs in the billions upon billions upon billions. I may not be remembering the exact number, right? But I believe just the operations of Disney plus is $7 billion a year. That, I mean, that's that's just in operations and technology. Mm-hmm. That's not even anything else. And so HBO Max isn't as high. Discovery isn't as high. But they figure by combining them, they're going to save about $3 billion a year. But they also think they're going to be offering a service that is going to have be have wide appeal. You know, one of the things the, the CFO of Discovery said, saying, you know, a lot of people watch HBO. HBO Max gets a lot of its traffic in the evenings. A lot of the, the traffic for Discovery Plus comes in the daytime. We think we can offer something that's got a wide-reaching thing. Now I'm going to look for this. Just came out just before we started the show, and he said, "Listen, this is, comes to us from Variety. He says Discovery, which is about to become the Warner Brothers Discovery within the next month when its merger with AT and T Warner Media closes, has confirmed its plans to combine the current streaming service, Discovery Plus." and WarnerMedia's HBO Max into one service rather than offer the two platforms as a bundle. Discovery's chief financial officer Gunnar Winfields, which by the way I wish I had the name Gunnar, um, who will always serve, who will also serve as the CFO of the newly combined Warner Brothers Discovery network, said Monday during the Deutsche Bank uh, 30th annual meeting internet and telecom conference that discovery is making preparations to combine the two streamers making the first time the company has actually revealed its post-merger strategy for discovery plus and HBO max amid speculation that they could remain solo platforms with bundling options before they are combined. Uh, why? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Weidenfels, Weidenfels uh, says the first step during the, the integration will be some time uh, to form of building will be some form of bundling while the new company figures out the best way to merge the platforms now this is what he says one of the most important items here is that we believe in a combined product as opposed to a bundle we believe that the breadth and depth of this content offering is going to be a phenomenal consumer value proposition and he's right uh, Weidenfeld said the question is in order to get to that point and do it in a way that's actually a great user experience for our subscribers Um, for our subscribers, that's, that's going to take some time. Again, that's nothing that's going to happen in weeks, hopefully not years, but in several months. And we will start working on interim solution in the meantime. So right out of the gate, We're working on getting the bundling approach ready, maybe a single sign-on, maybe ingesting content into the other product, et cetera, so that we can start to get some benefits early on. But the main thrust is going to be harmonizing the technology platform, building one very, very strong combined direct-to-consumer product and platform. That's going to take a while. So, whole lot there to take in. And a little bit later on, he talks about the, the billions of dollars in savings by combining them. I will tell you straight up, I still believe the best option for them would have been a bundle. I, I still think the idea, because you're talking about two very different kinds of content from HBO max to discovery. And I think maybe having them as a bundle might have been a better option, mm-hmm. but I get what he's saying about, you're talking about one streaming service that has some for everybody, not Maybe not everybody, everybody, but a little. But in principle, a little something for everybody. The idea that I can have one streaming service that I can watch, you know, I don't know, uh, Fixer Upper, and watch Peacemaker. Peacemaker. <laughs> what a
1: back-to-back showing.
0: I mean, I want to. You, know, you get to the. You're watching a Disney Plus show, and an episode of uh, Book of Boba Fett ends. And a breeze of screen, start watching Mandalorian. Yeah, that would be funny. You watch, watch Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna, and then, motherfucker, watch Peacemaker. Yeah. Oh, like, like, something like that. That's, Chip that's Gaines
1: a, must love Peacemaker. I'm
0: sure Chip Gaines is all about Peacemaker. He probably runs around
3: dressed as him. I love Chip and Joanna. <laughs> oh, that episode of Showtime. Have you been watching it? The new episode of Showtime. Uh, no, the that, Laker. no, I haven't the Laker seen it thing. thing I all. did. Okay. It was good. I love like uh, so
2: you, you just randomly Wait, start talking about the about? Isn't
3: that all on HBO Max?
0: Okay, okay. That's yes, yes, all right. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's some capital. Okay. There. Where did that come You're right. It is on HBO Max. I've been I love the first episode of Showtime. Or uh Winning Time, I
2: mean. Uh Winning Time. Yeah. You're going to like the second episode too.
0: I, I I'm going to watch that today, I believe. But at, at any rate, it does offer. He's saying, look, we want to offer one incredible value to our consumers, and you know what? This'll do it. This this will be a great, again, I would have bundled it, but this is a pretty good deal. Rob, let me ask you, you're David Zaslav's, I mean, you've gone from being Bob Iger's racquetball weekend buddy. It's true. To now playing chess with David Zaslav. Yeah, that's me. So you're his number one consultant. And he asks you, Rob, should we keep Warner Brothers or HBO Max and Disney or Discovery Plus as two separate streaming services and bundle them? Or should we make them one service what do you see the pros and cons of being? Well, we have
2: this, this conversation after, of course, I try and convince him every day to buy Paramount so he can take over Star Trek, just <laughs> to understand. But no, in all, in all seriousness, John, I actually think that they make a really good point that as the streaming wars proliferate and people are going to pay all different kinds of things, all different kinds of money, all different kinds of deals, I think that the fact that HBO warner brothers discovery they'll all be under one entity i think it makes good business sense that it becomes one fee that you pay because it'll be whatever they're going to call it we don't know what they're going to call it And you and i were talking about i think you're very astute in saying that they won't get rid of the hbo name
0: no way yeah it'll no, you've probably be hbo, HBO discovery yeah. like yeah. just
2: as simple as that um i like the idea that it's it's one all-encompassing fee that i have to pay to get a wide variety of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like Hulu and Disney Plus. Give me one. I mean, I understand why, but I, I I like this idea because you know, John, my viewing habits and I think a lot of viewing habits are such that you can watch Fixer Upper and then jump over and watch Peacemaker. My my viewing habits run the gamut. I watch so many different kinds of things. I mean, on Netflix, I'll watch Midnight mass and then the great British bake-off. Yeah, you know, that's a that to me is a night nice, nice afternoon And so I think this is actually really a, a good idea I think for a company they're making some bold moves and uh, I think it probably makes sense in the long run
0: now some people are mentioning, you know, uh, I've seen a few people in the live chat saying you what why, why do you call like Discovery max you take taking the max part, but here's the thing HBO as as a as an IP is i'll go so far as to say the most respected name in in quality streaming television or quality broadcast television uh, television cable cable network television that is the most Mm award-laden honored best shows in history kind of thing i i just don't see there being any possible way that whatever the name of this new (coughs) streaming service is that they do not have the letters HBO in it. I I I just can't imagine it. And I
2: I think that HBO Discovery, what that says, you know, the discovery of new entertainment worlds, that's probably instead of HBO Go and HBO Max, I think the whole idea of HBO Discovery is a really cool corporate branding idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Chris, you're in charge of this whole thing. Exciting. Do Do you, number one, do you bundle them as two separate services number or two. Do you merge them into one streaming service? And then what do you name it? if you had an mm. opportunity to name it there.
1: Oh man, well, as, as I made very clear, I do not understand mergers since I was like, how would it save them that much money? <laughs> um, but like what Rob was saying though, I like the idea of a one-stop shop for all of my shows. Cause yeah, I'm I'm comic content and food shows. That's kind of my consumption. Right. So I want to watch Barefoot Contessa and Doom Patrol. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want Ina Garten and then I get to see the robot. Um, so I like all of that all together there, right? Um, and I like I like HBO Discovery because I think everything i just having the plus name on there, too, has just been so lazy. <laughs> like, I don't know why we all agreed that that was the way to go on streaming of just everything's plus everything's plus. It's fine, except on, you know, SNL where it's Disney minus when we have the lesser shows. <laughs> um, I really I really think just merging those two names is a really fun look at stuff because, yeah, you're discovering new content. And I think you're absolutely right. you got to keep that HBO part as the first part of this name. Even people who are not in this industry, there's a very big difference when I say, oh, yeah, I'm being considered for something for HBO than when I say any other network. It
2: is the most prestigious mm-hmm. name in, in TV of yeah. any kind.
1: Like with, with parents, you know, there's also the concern of they're like, which kind of HBO show? Is, yeah. this, a, is this a naked show? Or and they are like, eh, it's animation. So no.
0: Yeah, so but... like, like Disney, they're going to have to be putting in some pretty heavy parental controls. Exactly. Although they already do have some good parental controls They've there. they got but... stuff
1: on there. And like we've talked about on this show before, you know, your kids are going to figure it out one way or another. So maybe have a conversation with them. But I think it's okay if it's all there.
0: Anyway, guys, the question is for you. I think this is very interesting that they're just going to merge it into one service. How do you feel about it? Would you keep it separate as two separate streaming services in one bundle, like he was saying, like maybe with a shared login, which is probably how they're going to start this whole thing off before they can merge them together. Would you merge them together? What kind of a name would you have for it? Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we should cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Show. With that down, Chris. What is our first main topic today?
1: Our first one comes from Mr. Mr. After starring in many movies such as Lost in Space, Robin Hood, and most recently Black Widow, William Hurt has died at age 71, just a week before his birthday. I mainly knew him from playing General Thaddeus Ross in the MCU, and it would have been great if we could have seen him uh, seen him part of the Thunderbolts, possibly even as Red Hulk. I have two questions. What films do you think of when you think of William? And two... What do you think they'll, do you think they'll recast his character in the MCU? Thanks.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for sending it in. And listen, honestly, one of my favorite guys to see pop up on a screen is is William Hurt. Um, I have been such a huge fan of him and his career for a long time. I mean, I got exposed to his movies. He was really hitting the peak of his career just as I was really getting into watching movies, like as a young teenager, right? And we talked recently about Olivia Coleman, just recently, this year, hitting the the feat of having three Oscar nominations in four years. And I said, we call that a dynasty. William Hurt did the incredibly rare feat of being nominated for Best Actor three years in a row in 86, 87, and 88 for Kiss of the Spider-Woman, Broadcast News and Children of the Lesser God. Three years in a row, not winning one of them for Kiss of a Spider Woman that he started with Raul Julia, uh, which is still one of the most unique, weird, cool films you can possibly watch. It, it let, let's get to the second part of your question first. Do I think they'll recast the role? No, and I think the reason why is because when you really look at where the MCU is at right now. I don't even, I'm not even sure we were going to see Thunderbolt Ross anymore anyway. To, to, be, to be honest with you, I'm not sure they had plans to have him in any more movies anyway. So I don't think there's, a. this isn't like, you know, oh my gosh, if all of a sudden Chris Hemsworth had a terrible accident and he couldn't be Thor anymore. Well, yeah, you recast that because it's a significant character, although who knows what they would do since what happened with Chadwick Boseman. But I honestly don't think you do here because I just don't think they had plans for moving forward. So there's that. What do I think of when I think of William Hurt? He won the Academy Award for Kiss of Spider-Woman, yes. And he was absolutely fantastic in Children of a Lesser God with Marley Moulton, who did win the Academy Award for that mm-hmm. movie. But for me, it's broadcast news. Albert Brooks, Holly Hunter, and of course him, William Hurt. That movie made such an impact on me. And oh my God, the scene of Albert Brooks taking over the news desk is like one of my favorite scenes ever. Like I just I love that. But I just thought he was so good and he showed his real versatility in that. And and of course, he, he I believe he got an Emmy nomination or two as well for his career. At any rate, I just loved it. And I remember I finally got a chance to meet him once at one of the studio lots in the cafeteria. He came in the cafeteria when I was in there because I was visiting the studio a lot for something. I was in the cafeteria, he came in. I got a chance to introduce him. I was a big fan, and which was I never had a chance to interview him in my career, which was just, really sucks. But this guy is one of the greats. Like, absolutely one of the greats. And uh, William Hurt passing away uh, is a total gut punch. And, and of course, again, then he got another Academy Award nomination for a history of violence with Viggo Mortensen, which he was so good in.
1: He was in that for like 10 minutes, too. Yeah,
0: 10 minutes. And, and he got an Academy Award nomination. Yeah. Got very much Dame Judi Gench for uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love, Love right? Yeah. There was kind of a theme going on there. Anyway, Rob, uh, you heard about the passing of William Hurt. What instantly comes to your mind when you think about uh, this incredible actor?
2: The first time William Hurt made an impression on me, and it was a huge impression, was in 1980s Altered States, which is one of my favorite science fiction movies ever. And it was based on, uh, uh, Paddy Chayefsky wrote a book, and famously he didn't like the way the script was was written. But it was directed by Ken Russell, and he plays Dr. Jessup, who is kind of a cracked scientist who's looking for the ultimate truth. And Bob Balaban's in that movie. Uh, uh, Blair Brown is in that movie. I love Altered States. And I was 13 years old when I saw it. It was hugely influential on me and then he was in Lawrence Kasdan's first feature Lawrence Kasdan who wrote Empire Strikes Back and Rares the Lost Ark he also directed Silverado his first movie was Body Heat and William Hurt was in Body Heat with Kathleen Turner and Kathleen Turner sort of manipulates him and uh you're not very smart are you I like that in a man uh it's uh, Body Heat is 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 incredible and then the third movie Lawrence Kasdan's next film was The Big Chill which was in 1983 and i he was in that and he plays a, a a a radio psychologist on ksfo in san francisco and those three films meant so much to me in my teen years from the time i was 13 14 15 moving into high school and um and then of course all the movies you mentioned john and he was just he was there was something about him he he had a very ethereal quality to him when he wanted to uh but he could also be very down to earth but i i i watched his performances over and over again in the 80s and um he he was only 71 years old it was right before his 72nd birthday and i hope to see a lot more of him but i'm sad that he's gone
0: chris when you think about the the incredible career of william hurt I, i still i still can't believe he's gone Um, what are the projects and things and moments and memories and films of his that stand out to you when you think of them?
1: Well, as an actor and, you know, the, the side of his, um, public life that he chose to show us, you know, he gave this very, um, next generation Gregory Peck kind of persona right? He came across as this like gentle, learned man in so many things. Um, Even when he was being manipulated by people, there was something that was very elegant about him on screen and everything. Broadcast news really, really hit me. I'm actually filming something this weekend that is very much in the vein of that. um, And that set us up for shows like like, uh, Newsroom and, you know, The Morning Show and all these kind of behind the scenes looks of what happens in media, which is really, really cool. And I love that film. Um, But Children of a Lesser God is probably the one that stands out to me most with with Marley's very, very well-deserved Academy Award nomination, historic uh, Academy she Award win. win. She? No, she yeah, won. Yeah. She won. Um, but man, because she is so incredible in that film. Oh, it is so, so And good. she's in CODA. Yes, yeah, which and, is just and like- And got I mean, a lot of awards. She's getting a lot of awards. And you look at that. I
2: mean, that's a 40-year that's, that's a career almost. Yeah. I mean, We're, 35 and, years. And it's
1: such a beautiful- Uh, full circle moment too, to see her just really advocating for other deaf actors and having, you know, Troy getting his nomination and all this. So it's it's really wonderful to just think back about that first film that we really took notice of her that obviously William was in with her, um, really helping lift up her performance as well.
0: Anyway, guys, question is for you. The great William Hurt has passed away at the age of 71. Uh, So many iconic moments, like multiple Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner. When you think of this guy's incredible career, what stands out to you? What brought you the most joy? How did he entertain you uh, in your movie watching life? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today?
1: Second topic is from Shelby. Hi, John and lovely crew. I watched Turning Red this past Saturday on Disney Plus and wow, what a beautiful, sweet, insightful film about growing up and finding your true self. Relatable teen girlhood moments galore. I would have loved to see this in theaters. The animation was breathtaking. Did y'all get a chance to watch it? And what did you think? The John Campus Show makes my week. Love y'all and bring <laughs> on the filthy. Well,
0: thank you, Shelby. Appreciate that very much. And yeah, so look, so Turning Red... That dropped on Disney Plus uh, last Thursday night, but I had to choose between watching that or watching the new Ryan Reynolds Jennifer Garner film, um, The Adam Project, and I can only pick one. Pick that one, so we could talk about it on Friday. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it on Friday, but I did want to talk about it now. I was obviously very taken with the idea of this film, number one, because it's Pixar, and I you guys know what I think of Pixar. I just think they're probably Arguably, maybe the best movie studio, not just animation studio, maybe the best movie studio in the business, arguably. Number two, uh, you had Domi Shi, who's directed Bao. Yeah. Which I loved Bao. It is one of my all-time favorite short films. I adored it so much. And she's a good Canadian kid. And so that. And then three, it just looked really cool. And I love the fact when we started seeing the trailers, the movie's also a little bit of a love letter to the city of Toronto, which I, I lived in for a lot of years and I grew up my whole life living right beside Toronto. Uh, and so you put all those things together. So obviously I'm interested, but would it be any good? Disney made the most mind-numbingly stupid decision, of course, to pull it from its theatrical run and simply put it on Disney+. Plus. We'll talk about that in just a minute. So Anne and I sat down and watched Turning Red. This movie's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not. I I use the word delightful a lot. It so applies here. This movie is delightful (laughs) and charming and smile-inducing. But, and and, you know, there was some controversy going around about one film critic said he couldn't relate because it was about Asian and Canadian culture. And and I'm I'm not going to, the guy was just saying something was on his mind. Probably didn't say it right. I'm not going to pile on that. But I, I disagree with that because one of the things that movies like Turning Red and like big fat greek wedding and others is that when you find when you watch these movies that kind of focus on a different cultural context you realize we all have the exact same human experience it just expresses itself a little bit different because who has not have an, who has not had an overbearing mother other than me because i love my mom who watches every day on this show <laughs> My mom's a perfect mom, but come on, who has not had an overbearing mom? who has not had to deal with the pressures of like especially going into grade eight you're, you're at the you're the you're the senior here but you're getting ready to go into high school. you're going through all sorts of sociological physiological changes like every like that whole experience is absolutely crazy. and and I, I grew up in a family where I had two sisters who were uh five and six years younger than me. So I got—I got to watch this all firsthand. Like it, turning red, I got to watch firsthand, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have home have the same. Your sisters turned
2: into a giant red panda, sorta. Of. Okay. Like,
1: and again, we all do, Rob. We all do. Not my
0: sisters. My <laughs> sisters, are perfect it. sisters. Um, but I—I I mean, this thing was funny, right? Anne was literally in laughing tears in the opening credits, like the opening credits with her dancing. Anne was just dying, laughing laughing with this thing. I thought it was, and, and I found it resonated so well because it's so true. Like everything other than the overt ridiculousness of she turns into a giant red panda, I found growing up as an older brother of two sisters and seeing this all turn out, everything in it was so resonantly true. It, 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 it really is real. And I absolutely adored it. And like growing up as a guy who was like, in grade school and then in high school, and not understanding how the F do all the girls in my school love these stupid boy bands. Don't they know they don't even? And I was a musician at the time. None of them write their own music, they can't even play any instruments, they never even knew each other till a corporation put them together. But whatever. It was four town is life in this thing. And <laughs> it I'm just watching this and I'm like, this it's so heartwarming and fun and funny. Now, I will mention this because then I want to hear what you what you thought about this, Chris. I'll mention this. There's a little bit of a controversy going on around the movie. Because some people are saying this movie is inappropriate for children. Why? She she speaks back to her mother in it. And she disobeys her mom in it. Okay? Yeah. Have you ever watched Beauty and the Beast? Have you ever watched The Little Mermaid?
1: I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. It's my (laughs) favorite
0: line in the world. (laughs) I mean, have you watched any Disney movie? Yeah. The child always disobeys the parents and the child always talks back to the parents. And I got news for you. And I'll put a giant asterisk next to this as somebody who is not a parent. But I got eyes. They all do. <laughs> we we did. You did. Everybody did. And I thought there was a beautiful message in this movie. Because remember, Maymay in this movie, she starts off as being the perfect child, right? And, and most children are never there. So this movie was telling it from a point of view about how there has to be this balance of You know, being respectful and honoring your family and blah blah blah. But you're also entering that age where you're finding your own individuality. You're this is the age where all of us start to push the limits and the boundaries and a little bit kind of stuff and discovering who we are. And with that comes a bit of rebellion. Again, I grew up with two six sisters, five and six years older than me. I saw this all firsthand. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna complain that this movie shows children being disobedient, welcome to fucking Disney films. This or, is or the
2: planet Earth.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah, welcome to the planet Earth, because that's reality. And I thought it handled it in a beautiful, wonderful, emotional, but funny way. And I just thought it was fantastic. And I'll tell you something that's never happened to me before in my life. I have never gotten a text message from Ray Ora out of nowhere just to talk about a movie he just saw i've never had he'll text me and everything i've never had john blah, 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 blah. but i'm sitting down i was playing poker the other night and i'm sitting down my phone starts going off i'm like what's going on it's ray john turning red is amazing and blah 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 because he wasn't <laughs> there with Anne and i but just ray i
3: wanted to get i haven't talked to you about it yet what do you think about turning red um you know i don't watch pixar films the last one i i watched was wally and I only watched them, like, because I was either on a date or, like, a ex-girlfriend. Like, those movies. So, I never was really into them myself. Um, I put this movie on just because I was working on uh, stuff, like, on the computer. And just as background noise. Right. So, every now and then, I would hear something. And I was like, that's pretty funny. Or, or the song. The music. Love oh, The music L- was so L- funny. What's his name? Ludwig Gor- Goranson. He did the whole soundtrack. Yeah, the I same it was guy who great. did the
0: Mandalorian soundtrack. Yeah.
3: So, like... And I was like, this actually sounds pretty good. So after I was done and ready to go to bed, I put that movie on again so I could watch it. And I watched it. And then I watched it again last night, too. I just think the did music. Did you cry? Uh, but no. You did, but, didn't so, you? No, 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 no. But some of the music was like, it it would target you to actually like feel emotions. Cry. I do. Uh, Let me interrupt you for a second. Oh, sorry. I got uh, the first Khonshu
0: in the live chat is saying, Wow. And it doesn't even have the word moon in the title. That's how good this thing was. (laughs) I'm
3: telling you, if you take away, okay, obviously I'll be somewhat connected to it because it deals with like the Asian culture. But even taking that out, I don't know if it's because I haven't seen a Pixar movie in a long time. I like the style of like the characters, like how, how obnoxiously like over they are in the way they're animated, like the tall girl or like the short, short dad. I mean, I knew two or three pockets, uh, groups of girls in elementary school that had that exact demographic right there. You know, the same thing, and the, like, like you, John, with two sisters, older one and the younger one. I went through the new kids on the block, and in sync, new kids on the block and in sync were Dude, I surrounded, living, living with
0: one of those sisters. I am still going through the New Kids on the Block and the NSYNC thing <laughs> but instead in his
3: house. Of, but instead of a brother that hated it all, I actually appreciated their music. <laughs> and I, I, I was called names for doing that, but I don't care, whatever. Good music or happy music is good music to me. So um, yeah, I really liked it. I, I actually am s- surprised because I usually don't watch these films. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that, which is why I was kind of surprised to get that text message.
0: Chris, mm-hmm. you watched... Turning red. Oh, hell yeah, what did. did you think about
4: it?
1: I love this movie. It's so freaking cute. And yeah, I, I mean, I begged my mom as a kid to take me to the insect No Strings Attached show. <laughs> I desperately, desperately had to be there so I could see JT and JC. Oh. Um, I think <laughs> this is <laughs> happening. Oh. I love the details in this movie. All the girls having their little friendship bracelets, the nods to anime in the animation. It's so rare now in like Disney and Pixar films that... We have the animation actually provide comedic moments. We rely so much on dialogue now. So to have physical comedy just from the animation is so, so cool in this, and I love that. And when you talk about the relatability here, it's about that kind of dichotomy that you experience as a kid between who your parents see you as and the person who you are becoming. Yes. growing up as as the oldest and i was like we we joked in my family that i was the trophy kid and i grew up in a catholic household i was very sweet and obedient at home i i worked really hard i got a job the minute i could i really tried to stay on the straight and narrow but i was also this really loud obnoxious theater kid at school who had a foul mouth And like when I started doing stand up and things like that, this is something I dealt with into my twenties of my parents know me as this person and everyone else knows me as this Mm -hmm. person. How do I kind of marry these two ideas together? And it's really, really cool to see that play out in a film like this. So going back to what you were talking about before, John, about it shows somebody speaking out. And I had somebody else talk about like, I don't know if they should have made a period joke in a children's film, which was ridiculous to me. It's a coming of age story. It's a pretty big part of coming of age. Like, this is this is what all teenagers do they are going to talk back to their parents at some point they're going to try to find their identities and their sense of self and this film does such a beautiful job showcasing how that can all play out with obviously a very very large in your face this is how hard it can be to control your own emotions and feelings and we've all experienced the level of cringe that may may has had and it's just about embracing your cringe i
0: I gotta tell you the mom character First of all, the, first, you, you start to love all the characters, her circle mm-hmm. of friends. They're so cute. They are Anne's circle of friends. Yep. Like one was Lara, one was Vivian. Well, I mean, it, it was like, it, it's funny because you look at the circle of friends, it's totally in circle of friends, but then you start to love the mom character. You mentioned like you're right. There's a whole bunch of things. They shouldn't have a joke in there with a, a joke about a period in this. I'll tell you what. That's one of the best jokes I've seen on a movie screen it's in a long so time. Good. I nearly fell off the couch. I was so the office kind of uncomfortable and yeah. laughing hysterically. It's like, I remember when that scene happened. I won't tell say exactly what happened, but Anne was like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. Like it's one of the best, but the dad. Mm. The dad doesn't get a lot of time to shine in this movie till closer to the end. Mm-hmm. But I fell in love with him. He's
1: so sweet.
0: Fell in love with the dad character. Uh, Mei Mei was fantastic. It gets a little wild at the end. And you could tell it's a period piece because they still call the stadium Sky Dome. In the thing. Today, it's only it's called the Rogers Center. But back in the day, it was called the Sky Dome. But, so it gets a little bit wild at the end, but still... And by the way, all the ants... The ants start showing up. That,
3: that part blew me up. That's when the movie went, Psh! when they combined both the songs together.
4: Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, we don't go to specifics, oh, yeah, yeah. but yes, when they yes, start combining the like, songs.
0: Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> and I wanted to ask Rob, because Rob, you haven't had a chance to watch no. this movie yet. Obviously, this is not a movie, it's not targeted at me, but God, I loved it. It's, it's obviously <clears> not <throat> targeted at you either. But where's your anticipation level been for this, and what have you been hearing about
2: it? Well, I, you know, I make it a point to see all the. Of- Pixar movies. I mean, I'm a huge Pixar fan, and I have to tell you, John, I always regret it when I didn't see him in a theater. My biggest was Coco. Oh, when was I so I, I didn't see Coco in a theater, and of course, you know, I buy them all on Blu-ray or now 4K when they come out, if they come out anymore, but well, I, you know, I put on Coco and the first five minutes, you could tell the color palette was different than any other Pixar film, and I was so blown away by it, and I was, I was kicking myself that I didn't see in the theater. Well, this... I guess i I can still see it in a the theater. I've got a few more days where, if I want to go into Hollywood and see it, I can. Mm-hmm. But I really want to see this. I mean, it it all Pixar movies appeal to me. But everybody, um, like I just keep hearing the enthusiasm that the three of you have, and I, you know, really want to see it. I mean, like you said, John, if you're a student of cinema and if if you like animation at all, which I've always loved, um, even though I'm a snob about it you have to see a Pixar film is that's the Tiffany standard to me of western animation
1: Ooh, that's a good way to put it
2: I I, want to say one like when you say it's targeted towards
3: guys I think like I never even saw that I guess it flew over my head I knew it was about that but none of that ever bothered me while watching it and also I think it's just like a a good movie I think if we Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good movie if we learn about humans no matter female male whatever we'll all understand each other better I think but um agreed but uh, it's short, right? It's short, <laughs> first of all. And the music is good. I, and I forgot the other thing I was going to say. But yeah, Well, check I think, it
2: out. You, but you brought something up that I think is important. I think Pixar's, the, their success is they truly make films that are universal mm-hmm. for everyone. They're literally there for all ages and all audiences to be enjoyed together. And it is a rare, I think that's their special secret sauce, is their true four quadrant films Adults get something out of them. Kids get something out of them all together. Maybe different things, but they're masters at it. No one can do it as well as Pixar can.
0: Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see Turning Red? If so, what do you think? I, I don't think it's a top three Pixar film of all time, but it is a worthy addition to the Pixar lineup. I, I had a great time with it. What did you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Peloton. Now listen, in the never-ending quest to try to stay in shape, one of the keys is to vary up your workout and your exercises to make sure you avoid losing your motivation and keep from getting burnt out from doing the same thing over and over again. Peloton has you covered. I know for me, one of the keys was getting my Peloton tread and using the Peloton app to get my varied workouts in. And Peloton just keeps pushing you forward with new classes, new music, new ways to keep your workouts fun and motivating. One of the newer offerings that has me personally really excited is their boxing classes Peloton is stepping into the ring with its newest discipline and you don't even have to have any gloves discover a fast furious and fun workout with Peloton instructors in your corner even if you've never boxed before these classes will have you working up a sweat while working on the fundamentals of form footwork and fun combos that will keep you on your toes Peloton has a workout for every day and every kind of schedule. So guys, right now, visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. And thank you to the good folks at Peloton for supporting this episode of the John Campius Show. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic
1: number three, shall we? Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one is from Clark Washington. The Batman continues to display dominance at the box office. In yet another display of its dominance at the box office, The Batman grossed a second weekend total of $66 and had a drop off of only uh, minus 50.7%. Even more impressive is that the film has already outgrossed the entire domestic haul of Justice League and now the 10th highest grossing DC film domestically. What are your thoughts on the Batman's box office performance?
0: All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, look, obviously we've been talking a lot about the Batman the last month or so, especially since seeing the movie. The movie is absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I, yeah, obviously I wanted the Ben Affleck one, but I mean, Matt, what Matt Reeves has delivered here is what I describe as The most Batman jumping off the pages of the comic Batman story I've I've ever seen put to screen. It's not a perfect movie, but to me it was a perfect Batman movie. I absolutely loved it, and I can't wait to see more of this iteration of it. And it had a great opening weekend. It's the second biggest, first of all, it's the biggest opening of the year. The second biggest opening since 2019. falling second only to Spider-Man No Way Home. So it had an incredible launch, especially when you consider Because we gave this big, long laundry list before the movie opened about why you should not expect Batman to be that big. Combine a lot of things with there's been mixed receptions of Batmans recently. This is not one that families are going to rush out and bring their kids to like they would a Spider-Man. You've got multiple Batmen running around right now, which is causing some confusion. Again, divided opinion on what, what they've been doing in DC altogether. A little bit of confusion about, wait a minute, is this the same Batman that's in this movie? And what? like, But we gave this big long laundry list about reasons why you shouldn't expect it to do too well, and yet it still did great. And now it's done even better on its second weekend. Because on its second weekend, it managed to do something that I didn't think it would be able to do. Because on top of all the other problems, this movie is three hours long, which means fewer screening times you can have. Plus, we worried that even people who like the film may not rush out to see it again, at least quickly, because of the fact that it's a three-hour running time. But it did bonkers business making $66 million mm. in its second weekend. To put that into context, now it's actually 66500000 million. They've adjusted it now. Made $66.5 million. That is just a 50% drop from weekend one. To put that in context, Spider-Man No Way Home had a nearly 70% drop. Now, granted, that's because... Everybody went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home in the first weekend. So there were fewer people left to go see it on the second weekend, but still. Whereas Spider-Man No Way Home made 130, I'm just ballparking here, made 130 million more than Batman did on their opening weekends. It only made about 20 something million more than Batman did on its second weekend. That's not any sort of a negative thing on Spider-Man No Way Home. That's just showing you how impressive it is For this thing to have the second weekend numbers that it has the thing has already eclipsed 400 million dollars worldwide which became the target point for some people about what could the overall box office of the batman be and it's already exceeded that for a lot of people so there is just no way to try to paint this thing as anything other than a monumental success, especially when you consider all this stuff. It's a much darker film, not family-friendly, three hours long, some division over about whether people even like Batman, on the recent Batmans we've had. I love our recent Batman, but a lot of people didn't. This is absolutely incredible. for it. And, and I wouldn't have guessed. Like I, I thought it would take less than a 60% drop. I wouldn't have guessed 50. So for it to make this kind of cash that tells me more than anything else word of mouth this tells me that there were probably a lot of people that might have been on the fence about seeing the batman and then hearing the great reviews seeing the great word of mouth coming out from people who saw it and then a bunch of people who weren't sure and therefore didn't go to see it first weekend thought yeah let's go check this out and that's the power of the word of mouth and that's what happens when you have a damn good movie And they have a damn good movie here. Rob, you see these numbers. 66 million, only a 50% drop from week one to week two for a three-hour movie that's dark, not really family-friendly, all that kind of stuff. What do you think about this result and what stands out to you most about it?
2: Well, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we receive what I want, which is an auteurist vision. There's true authorship. Behind this, we're getting a a very strong point of view, a different look at the Batman. You know, I've heard some criticisms leveled at this film. Like, well, I mean, how much different can this be? Well, yeah, because it's a Batman movie. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Do you want to put him in space? Please don't. But um, (laughs) I I think that they've done a, a, a phenomenal job. I mean, there's so much craft and there's so much care that was put into the making of this film. And you feel it when you watch it. And I think that's why it connects with audiences. Audiences always want to feel that the stories that they're, they're ingesting, in whatever way they're ingesting, are worthwhile. They want to feel that there's, a, there's real authorship and they're getting a point of view that's very distinct and unique. And I think Matt Reeves brought that to audiences. They gave, this was the right Batman for the right time. And um, you know I think they did a, a great job all the way around. And that's what people, John, people f- want to feel fulfilled when they go see a great movie. And this is a very fulfilling movie. It might not be your taste, but you at least feel that you've seen something that was epic and and um, uh, that there, there was some great storytelling going on, great performances, great effects, everything.
0: I just wanna throw in there, so the exact number now, just at the end of its second weekend, so it hasn't even been in theaters two full weeks, it has made $463 million worldwide officially right now. So, I mean, a, a terrific results for it right now. Uh,
3: I don't have much to say about this, other than you know the the Twilight the Twilight Boy thing, yeah. right. I th- I saw firsthand how it affected um, people in watching this. My neighbors, they I actually when the trailer first came out, I asked them, "Did you see that trailer for the Batman?" And they're like, "No." They're like, "No." They, they, it has that guy from Twilight, right? I was like, "Yeah, but it looks good." And they're like, "No, I don't want. I'm not gonna watch it. He's. I don't think he will be a good Batman." But last friday they all went to see it because of word of mouth so i'm telling you if if whatever your reservations are about the actor or whatever it is just go see you never know if you like something until you try it right so by the
0: way i got i gotta show something here this this was a uh, a meme that somebody put together and shared with me on facebook but i gotta show it to you here so here it is so it's got that That Wolverine meme saying women in 2008 looking 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 you know longingly at the picture of Robert Pattinson in Twilight. Men in 2022, (laughs) men looking adoringly at Robert Pattinson as Batman. In
1: 2008, we're really trying to put our fingers in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Golly, oof, ladies, (laughs) easy. (laughs) So I just I just thought
0: yeah that was what Rage said kind of reminded me of that. Anyway. Uh, Chris, like these numbers are crazy good for a film like this, especially all the hurdles that this movie had to overcome getting to this point. What stands out to you the most?
1: Oh man. Ray, Ray Knocked it out of the park with this. It is word of mouth on this film because I had a whole bunch of people too, who watch our show and they did a, I'm going to wait till you're out of theater review. I'm going to wait till I actually get to talk to you because there was a real high bar that we set on this show too, of like what we expected from the Batman. And then it was, I want an honest opinion about it. I want to see how it actually plays out. And it wasn't until we had seen it a couple times that a lot of my friends went, okay, all right, I'll go see it. Who are big Batman fans, who are even big Robert Pattinson fans. I have a friend who was like, oh man, I loved him in the lighthouse, but I don't know about him as Batman, which I thought was very odd. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was like, I think he'll be fine. But I think people just did kind of want to wait and see if this was a worthwhile three hour investment. Because remember, we've been seeing things from the comfort of our couch. We watch things differently now over the past two years. It's a big commitment to go to a movie theater for three hours. Not only that, but it's a big financial commitment. So are you going to get through a three hour movie with your snacks and everything? Is it worthwhile? This one sure is. And I'm glad people are recognizing that.
0: Yeah, and th- that's uh, again the thing. I think we've even seen because people are asking me before the movie came out. You know, you know, John, there are these Twilight Boy people out there, and people who are just totally committed. Like nobody loves the Ben Affleck Batman more than me, but there are some people that are so dedicated to the Batman to the Ben Affleck Batman that they refuse any new Batman. And Which they said, "Do so you think silly. this movie? This is before watching it. Do you think this movie is going to be able to change some people's minds? Whether the they're the Twilight Boy people or whether they're the." Athletic or whatever and i i said i don't know I'm, i think the movie's gonna be great but i don't think it will but i gotta say i think i was a little bit wrong about that because i've seen some people say you know i was pretty hard on this movie before i saw it but i gotta say
2: this movie's pretty great so i think it's it has been winning over some of those people
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's I mean, good but,
2: to see but think about the fact that people make decisions about things before they've seen them yeah i i mean this is a problem this is not this is not something that people should should take pride in. I mean like like I, I, I've never understood that. Like I, I hear a lot of pushback as well, but I'm like, um, you know, people have to start somewhere. You know, Christian Bale was in newsies. Does that Aww. mean you're not gonna and I like Santa's newsies. Thing? Does that mean you're not going to go see Batman because – or because the Dark Knight because Christian Bale was in Newsies? Yeah. I can't like,
1: see him in Batman. I saw him looking at himself when he was having sex in American Psycho. Right, right. I mean, I, I, for me, hero. I look at
2: American Psycho. I'm like, that guy can be Batman. Yeah. He can be Bruce Wayne. Because <laughs> if I was Bruce Wayne, I'd be like Patrick Bateman without the killing. There you go. You know, but I, it's – I've never understood that. And there's – that doesn't take away – Ben Affleck's Batman, it doesn't make him any better or any worse. If you love his Batman, you can love his Batman. But that doesn't mean that Robert Pattinson's Batman doesn't have something to offer you.
1: Exactly. And we are all guilty of this. And particularly here, we all have to have a hard opinion when we see a trailer or something, right? Right. We all make these snap judgments. I'm still going to see Morbius. Even though I'm like, I have no desire to see this because it's part of a universe that I very much enjoy and I want to be part of the conversation and I want to be able to have a, an opinion on something that I've actually seen. And you so, might like it. Yeah, exactly. I might walk out of there and be like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Got my tickets Who for it to today. Say? Oh, very exciting. I did get my t- but but that's, that goes back to a wider
0: problem about we as film fans because it is totally fine to look at a movie and say, that looks like it sucks. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that because if you think it doesn't look like it's going to be very good, you say, I don't think it looks like it's going to be very good. Well, you don't do, but what unfortunately we as film fans sometimes catch ourselves doing is going, oh, that thing sucks. Exactly. That sucks. And if you like it, you're stupid. You haven't even seen the movie. Oh, I don't need to see it. I know it sucks.
1: Your opinion's wrong. Yeah, I mean,
0: and that's what we as film fans, I think unfortunately fall into sometimes. And it's perfectly fair to speculate about how good or bad you think a movie's going to be. But then you got to give it its fair shot. Like, that doesn't look like if a movie looks bad, you don't have to go see it. That's fine. But if you do watch it, leave your baggage at the door, watch it, and then evaluate it on its own merits. And we're seeing some people who are willing to do that, take their expectation, leave it at the door, go in. By the way, you might hear some jackhammering. We've got some contractors.
1: <laughs> it's not uh, a euphemism. No, <laughs> it is definitely it's definitely not a real. euphemism. <laughs> But we've gathering. got
0: some contractors working here wow. right now uh, outside the door. So you might might hear some banging going on. Again, no that euphemism. Um, so <laughs> forgive, us, forgive us for those sounds. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this weekend two performance for the Batman? I think it's absolutely remarkable, especially when you compare it to other, even like something like Spider-Man No Way Home. It hasn't opened up in China yet, has it? I believe it has not yet, no. Again, but I mean, The Batman has never been huge in China. So I'm not expecting China to make it go from five hundred million dollars to a billion dollars. You know what I mean? I don't think it'll do that. Unless it's like, yes, a movie that looks at just how crime fitting and corrupt America is, then they might drive some viewership. But but other than All
2: American cities are just like Gotham. That's
0: that's what all you (laughs) Chinese kids that's what America is like. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe they won't. But I don't expect China to actually have a massive impact, just again, because the history of Batman there has never been all that big. So, But who knows? Maybe it could be huge. The question is for you guys. What do you think about these results for the Batman? And what did you think about the Batman? Maybe you hadn't had a chance to see one the last time we talked about it. Maybe you're one of these people who've gone and caught up on it just recently. If so, what did you think? Whatever your thoughts are, guys, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick. liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone it contains five essential vitamins like B3 B5 B6 B12 and of course vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks and what makes liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT see it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more more efficiently, You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code campia at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code campia campia that's c-a-m-p-e-a at liquidiv.com experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com and remember use the promo code at checkout campia and a big thank you to the good folks at liquid iv for being a sponsor of today's episode of the john campia show all right with that down let's move on to main topic number four chris what is our fourth main topic today
1: this comes from christopher brickner It's official. After much speculation, especially after Free Guy, Sean Levy is confirmed as the director of Deadpool 3, making it his third straight collaboration with Ryan Reynolds. In a surprise twist, it was also announced that Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick were returning to write the script after being too busy to work on it earlier. What do you think of this news?
0: All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Christopher. And I could not be happier. I I, I really couldn't. I couldn't be more thrilled. I think this is great. Now, if either of the first directors of the first two Deadpools had come back, I would have been thrilled with that, completely thrilled with that as well. But I'll tell you what watching Free Guy, which starred Ryan Reynolds, directed by Sean Levy, and then watching The Adam Project, starring Ryan Reynolds, directed by Sean Levy. And I didn't like The Adam Project as much as Free Guy. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I didn't like it as much as Free Guy. But still, very different movie. Very different movie. But what you could tell watching those two movies was that Sean as a director really knows how to tap in and allow the unique talents of Ryan Reynolds really to sing a lot. I mean, it's something very special that happens when the right director is paired with the right performer. You know, I talk a lot about look what James Gunn was able to do with Dave Bautista, right? Like, Dave Batista, in his own words, said, You know, I'm not a great thespian. I'm I'm so blessed that I get to do this and be in movies and fulfill a dream. And he's gotten pretty good. But at the time when he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, he wasn't there yet. But he got matched with a director that really knew how to let the the what was really good in Dave Bautista to really shine. Now, Ryan Reynolds is already much further ahead than that. He is a great, I think, legitimate. Oscar caliber actor he should have been nominated for Academy Award for Buried I've said oh, that yes. many times but again watching these two movies you're like "Wow!" Well, like Levy as a director really knows how to work with Ryan here to mm-hmm. bring out these aspects and really make it work and they together they know how to build something of movies around those particular talents and the things that I adored about the Adam Project was all that right and so I was really kind of thinking man you know what he would make a good director for Deadpool 3. And, you know, eventually I'd like to see Ryan Reynolds do a movie with Hugh Jackman. And of course he has directed Hugh Jackman in one of my favorite Hugh Jackman roles in Real Steel. So, I mean, there's that too. And I love that movie as well. So I remember thinking to myself, like, I would really like to see Sean Levy direct this. I mean, I'm sure there's other directors who'd be great too. But uh, I think right off the top of my head, I'd love to see Sean Levy. And then the word came out, Ryan Reynolds got on social media, uh, said that their next partnership together would be a lot more stabby. (laughs) <laughs> with with a with a picture of uh with a picture of Deadpool on it. Anyway, this comes just from the folks over at the Hollywood Reporter who write the following. Sean Levy has been tapped or maybe it should be targeted to direct Deadpool 3. The director is in negotiations to team up with star Ryan Reynolds for the Marvel property after previously collaborating on 20th Century's pandemic-era hit Free Guy and the just-released sci-fi adventure film The Atom Project on Netflix. Frequent Reynolds collaborators Rhett Reese, and this is might be the most important part of this story, collaborators Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who penned the scripts for the first two films, are now working on Deadpool 3. And the reason I say this one might be even more important is because they were not attached to write deadpool 3 before and i'm like ooh that's a big loss now i have met these guys they have been in my studio i've had a chance to sit down and talk with them these guys are tremendously gifted talented writers and they totally get deadpool and them and ryan reynolds are in perfect lockstep with where to go and i, I was really if there was anything i was concerned about a deadpool 3 it was has been that it doesn't look like these guys are going to be back to write but they are so it's like check there you go. Now, some people might say, well, wait a minute. Why are we saying that he's going to be directing when it's said in that story that he's in negotiations to direct? Look, when you're at the point that Ryan Reynolds is putting out on social media that he's directing it, it's done. He's, he's going to be the director of this. And this does a couple of exciting things. So exciting thing, number one, Sean Levy directing, working with Ryan Reynolds again. Their last two collaborations has been wonderful. So big thumbs up from me. Number two, it, it this is the most official thing we've heard that Deadpool 3 is a go. Like once you start attaching a director to it, the movie's happening. They're moving forward. This is, this is a real thing. They're moving forward. Exciting thing number three, of course, we have the writers there. And, and that to me made the last 24 hours for Deadpool fans a very, very happy day. And again, I would have been equally as thrilled or completely excited about either of the two previous directors coming back because they each did a fantastic job. But if it's not one of those two, Sean Levy... I think with what they've shown the partnership between him and Ryan Reynolds can be, I think this is glorious. I'm very excited about this and I cannot wait. I expect to hear... I'm going to tell you this right now. We're going to get a assload of Deadpool 3 news in the very, very short term. Very, very shortly, we're going to be getting assloads of new Deadpool 3 information. So, but whatever. I'm thrilled about this information. I love this franchise so much. Uh, anyway, Rob, you heard Sean Levy's going to be in there directing this, working with Ryan Reynolds. We got Reese and Wernick coming back. It looks like everything's moving ahead with Deadpool three. What are your thoughts today?
2: I think it's great. I mean, look, I think everybody, the first Dare, uh, Daredevil, the first Deadpool was a surprise. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of Tim Miller's, um, but I think that we were all taken aback by just how good deadpool one actually turned out to be yes so clever so funny so so well done and ryan reynolds was perfect in the part and deadpool 2 also outperformed deadpool one and i thoroughly enjoyed the the addition of of uh, zazie beats and and josh brolin and negasonic teenage warhead and brad pitt don't forget and, brad, and, pitt's uh, yeah, brad pitt's a uh, cameo <laughs> i i mean it, it it's it's a franchise that i think puts a smile on everyone's face and again, what I really like is having a, a director actor collaboration and clearly both with free guy and, and the Adam project, obviously Sean Levy and, and Ryan Reynolds seem to have a good working relationship. And I think that, you know, Sean Levy also, I would imagine he's, a I don't, you know, I don't know him personally, but he's a director who would allow, they probably try some things improv and the craziness that makes up the Deadpool films, I think will be carried forward in a very interesting way by the two of them so I'm looking forward to it. my you know the questions I have John of course is is this third movie going to be in the Marvel Universe is it going to bring Deadpool into the Marvel Universe how is it going to work we know it's going to be R-rated they said it's going to be R-rated is it going to be a Fox film you know I've got a lot of questions from a from a just a fanboy releasing uh, status but I I'm excited man I'm I think this movie's overdue they should have had it they should have had it already in the hopper but um no I'm excited man this sounds great to me I'm in and obviously if both of them are talking about it and Ryan Reynolds is tweeting about it he's yeah. excited and that's what you want
0: I mean who what director right now would not be excited about doing Deadpool yeah. I mean it, it's I like, mean he's tweeting about it yeah he's yeah. tweeting he's about tweeting
4: it. he's online being about like, it. like let me yeah you just
1: put some emojis and not say anything about me being in talks with Deadpool.
2: No, it's great. And you know, I'll tell you free Guy, there's something about free Guy that uh, that transcends what it is. yeah, you know, and I think that that relationship, the director actor relationship did carry over into the Adam project. and i I like what there's a there's a wholesomeness to it. yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see I want to see I want to see I want to see them get unwholesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing, even with Deadpool. Like when you, this is something that I really love about things like The Boys, uh, Doom Patrol, and Deadpool. One of the best things about Deadpool that makes it not just raunchy, funny, but actually really good movies to watch is beneath all the wild unwholesomeness, it's heartwarming. it, It is heartwarming. I mean, when you get to the first Deadpool movie, it's it's really a movie that is motivated and driven by a man's love for a woman and and what he's willing to do and the sacrifices he's willing to make and and the and then dealing with the consequences of those choices like when you move beyond all the fantastic bonkersness of it yeah. there's some and even when you get into the second thing it's about a man and the loss that he suffered i mean like that and that to me is what transcends the deadpool films just from being bonkers fun movies to really good movies
2: well in a way i should i should, if now that i'm thinking about it they are kind of wholesome as far as r-rated wholesomeness can be and you know you you, the boys doesn't have any of that you know there's no wholesomeness i mean that new trailer i'm like there's no wholesomeness in here
1: but even even the boys i I don't know Friendly's relationship with the i mean i think that's a little sweet uh, when she's not ripping off heads i think that's nice
0: but anyway chris Mm -hmm. you you have a chance you're hearing about this sean levy being connected to it Uh, What's your reaction to this?
1: I love this. I think this is so great. I went home Friday and rewatched Adam Project. So I watched it at 5 a.m. for this show. And then I went home and watched it again with my husband because he didn't get to see it with me. And I liked it even more the second time. I love that they are going to be working together. Ryan Reynolds has just been making secret romance movies all the time. (laughs) They're they're pitched to us as action adventure or or sci-fi. They're all secret, really romances at the heart of them. And I love that. I think it's great. Um, There's this really, really great clip of Ryan speaking with The Hollywood Reporter talking about Sean saying, I realize the rare air we're breathing when we get to work together. And I think that is such a great summation of the kind of work that they pull out when they get to be collaborators. And that's ultimately what you want to as an actor oh my gosh, what a gift when your director is collaborating with you and you really feel like you are cooking with gas, you are making jazz. That is what's so exciting about these two pairing up. And I think bringing on those screenwriters again too, who are in addition to Ryan's own voice, the voice of Deadpool, right? Really getting his tonality, really understanding his comedy stylings, but really understanding that character. And again, those notes of secret romance, that bit of longing, loss, all of those things that make this a really rich dynamic character. I think this is just a recipe for success.
0: I, I've got a totally out of left field question. With the the way Deadpool 2 ends and all the stuff going on there. Is there any chance Marina Baccarin is in this? Is in Deadpool 3? I think it's absolutely possible. I I, I mean, I, I certainly would love to see that. And and this this is an interesting dynamic, too. There's a very interesting dynamic at play here in that normally. When a director is directing the film, like they're the boss. Like they that's that's 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds' thing. This this is this is his baby, it is his package, it is whatever. So there's also an interesting dynamic there. And I think that's why when we hear Ryan Reynolds talk about I just love being being able to collaborate with him, I think that settles and puts that because normally I've said on the show before, I'm very cautious about films where the director is not clearly the one who has authority over set mm-hmm. and that when an actor has actual more authority over a movie than a director, I'm very, very squeamish about those situations. I don't think that's a good mixture. Yeah. But I think that can work very, very well here because they have already shown that they work well together. They play off to each other. They know how to bring out the best in each other. And so because of that, I'm I'm pretty interested. Now, I've, I've read some people writing saying, well, I can't remember Sean Levy doing an R-rated film before. That means that Deadpool 3 is going to be rated PG-13. No way. I mean, Kevin Feige has already said ages ago that the one thing they're going to do rated R is Deadpool. Kevin Feige's already said that. He's already put that out there so you can put all those concerns to rest. Because while I said before the first Deadpool came out that... You could do Deadpool PG thirteen. There's a way you can do it, and I believe that. But once you have Deadpool, there's no going back. You cannot go back to PG thirteen no. with this Deadpool character. Once you've done the things in these Deadpool movies that you've done, so I have zero doubt they're going to remain this thing uh, as a rated R. Rob, do you have any questions or doubts about that?
2: No, I think they have to stay. Uh, I have, they have to stay rated R. But again, the the fanboy in me is like, okay, Deadpool exists in the Fox X-Men universe. So the question, John, has to be asked. We're now on the... We're we're less than two months away from a multiverse of madness. And we know that Patrick Stewart, established in the Fox X-Men franchise, is going to be in this movie. Where, like, Deadpool could fit in somehow... There's a, I mean, if there's anything, if if a madness can, if a multiverse can be madness, full of madness, who is the most mad character in the entirety of the entire Marvel (laughs) universe? So I'm curious. You want to bring Marina McCarran back? I mean, if Deadpool's like he's already skipping through time, changing stuff around, messing with the timeline, he's already done that, and that's canonical in the Deadpool movies.
0: Well, it's canonical. In the Deadpool movies, but is anything in the Deadpool movies truly? Can I remember this is Fox? This is Fox continuity schmontinuity. I
2: know X Men's universe where it, really with, canon. Within the continuities, they've done Days of Future Past. They've changed their timelines. They've done all kinds of things. So the you know you gotta the question, John, because just because I'm a big geek and I love the MCU, where does it all fit in, or does it,
0: or or, or does it? Does it fit in at all? Anyway, I, I've got a lot of questions going into this, and but I'm sure they're going to keep it rated R. That thing I have no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, I, you know, the question keeps coming up because there are new rumors going around about like brand new ones. Like there were the old ones a few weeks ago, but there are brand new rumors about maybe Deadpool showing up in Doctor Strange 2, the Multiverse of Madness. And I am sticking with, I have been told directly by a very very close source to the thing that no deadpool is not going to be in doctor strange 2 in the multiverse of madness and boy will i be pissed if it turns out he is yeah but you know with this new announcement
2: the way that they're able to work their marketing campaigns i mean the stuff that they were able to pull off yeah at the last minute i could see There's also, I read a report that maybe Sam Raimi was going to sign on for Doctor Strange 3. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. I would love that. I I wouldn't put it past anyone to come up with something in the next month.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: they are still shooting scenes right now for Doctor Strange 2. They're still doing some pickup shoots for Doctor Strange 2 right now. I don't
1: think you can say anything honestly about these movies, though. Like, Mm. I've had to sign NDAs for very, very small projects, if I was in the MCU and I wasn't allowed to tell anyone, I wouldn't tell my mother. I'm so friggin' terrified of Disney lawyers. Ooh, I don't believe anyone when they talk about this. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, and also with the way Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy work, what if they came up with something this afternoon?
4: <laughs> you know, and they're <laughs> and they like, hey, <laughs> we have an idea. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, they're the kind of people, and they have the clout. I mean, I would imagine that Ryan Reynolds could actually has kevin feige on speed dial and go you know sean and i came up with this thing what do you say and what's kevin feige gonna do Hmm. again i was told by a
0: very very close source of this that i absolutely depend on this said there will be no deadpool in this in this movie we'll we'll find out we'll find out anyway guys question is for you What do you think about this? I think this is tremendously exciting news that we're going to have Sean Levy. I mean, the partnership that him and Ryan Reynolds have had together with Free Guy, the Adam Project, has been very, very good. It's going to be excellent to see what they can do in a Deadpool 3. What are you guys expecting? Do you guys maybe think that this could be a harbinger that maybe we'll get a PG-13 Deadpool? I don't think so, but maybe you see some possibilities. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Policy Genius. Life insurance can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your loved ones would have a financial cushion for rent or mortgage payments, loans, education costs, and everyday expenses. Policy Genius is your one-stop shop to find and buy the insurance that you need. You can click in the description or head to policygenius.com/campia and answer a few questions in just a few minutes. You can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. You could save fifty percent or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius because the team of licensed experts at Policy Genius will help you understand your options and apply for the policy that you choose. The Policy Genius team works for you, not for the insurance companies. You can. And trust them to offer unbiased help and advocate for you at every step until you're covered and to make things even better policy genius doesn't add on extra fees they don't sell your info to third parties and policy genius has thousands of five-star reviews across google and Trustpilot. so right now head to policygenius.com Campia to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And a big thank you to Policy Genius for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. If you need any of the links to our sponsors, including Policy Genius, just look down in the description of this video and you'll see some links there. All right, guys. With that all down and out of the way, let's move on to start taking your live comments and questions you guys have been sending in. So, Chris... Oh, that's not the live comments and questions. Oh, no. Let me see if I can get the live comments and questions up. <laughs> Hold on a second. Do, 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 do. He said Chris there, yeah. there we go. That That's a little bit better. Okay, what do we got up first?
1: So first is from Casey Mack. Hey, John and crew. Sonic looks great. Have you seen this new Sonic 2 poster? It literally is a reference to the Sonic 2 game cover. I
0: haven't seen the poster yet. I just saw the
1: trailer. So I haven't, I haven't seen the, see poster the poster yet. Either. I saw it on Instagram because I follow Ben Schwartz. What do you think? Is it good? It's great. Yeah, it totally is a, a callback to the game and it looks wonderful. They understood the assignment.
0: Awesome. Well, the trailer looks good. All right, what's next?
1: MP, don't use a st- smart Samsung TV with HBO Max. When they released God versus uh, Godzilla versus Kong, there was a white line issue, and past nine months, there's been a gray letterboxing issue.
0: I have heard that we talked about this on the show that the HBO Max app was having some issues. It turned out it was only on certain devices. First of all, let me tell you this very, very clearly: smart TVs are ass. Okay, smart TVs suck. I know they come with all, like, all the apps, but here's the thing. Dedicated boxes, whether it is a Roku or an Apple TV or an Amazon Fire Stick or a Google Chromecast, they have dedicated hardware that's made for this. They are much faster, much snappier. You will have a much better experience watching any of your favorite streaming channels using a dedicated true streaming device. Do not use the, the functions in a smart TV. They absolutely suck. Um, that said, yeah, HBO Max did have a couple of problems with some of the services before. And I heard they solved a lot of them, but some of them might be in there. So yeah, there's that. But again, the moral of the story here, guys, is get a true dedicated streaming box. They are cheap as hell. I mean, that like even like an Apple TV, I think is 99 bucks or something like that. Yeah. But again, I use the Google Chromecast with Google TV. I love that. I also have a couple of Roku's. But I mean, whichever one, Rob, you're an Amazon Fire Stick user.
2: I use Fire Stick, but by the way, also, please manually set up your TV. Manually set it up. Turn off motion smoothing. Yes. Balance the colors yourself. Wasn't you can it find...
0: uh, Tom Cruise and Chris uh, Mc, uh, McQuarrie? Yeah, Chris They did like a PSA on
2: that. Turn uh, that uh, off. Turn on all of that yeah. crap off and go. Do, go. Go. Calibrate your own TV. You can go online on YouTube and find TV calibrators. If you If you don't have a dedicated disc already, please do it. You'll like yourself better. All right. What's next?
1: Another one from Casey Mac. Hey John, when you thought we were already. When you thought we already had enough stuff to watch in May, June, it was just announced this weekend that Umbrella Academy season three will be on June 22nd. Yes.
0: They released a short, like a very short little teaser thing to announce the beginning of it. I love this show. Uh, Umbrella Academy. And it's funny because one of the producers on the show plays in my star Wars role-playing game group that we actually haven't yeah. had a game in a while because you know, the pandemic hit and all that kind of stuff. But one of the producers of that show, but I truly love Umbrella Academy. There was a good here when the boys Doom Patrol and Umbrella Academy were like my three favorite things on TV. Cannot wait for it to come back. Very, very excited for it. All right, what's next?
1: Rookie tookie, Uh, one of two. Hello, John. Another day, another Zevia Bev. <laughs> another beverage that must not be named. That's right. Uh, you know the Batman film is so lit. Vin Diesel is for sure going to cast the Batmobile for the next Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> Probably. Next thing you know, it's going to pull up on the driveway and earn a seat at the family dinner table after a long day of racing around <laughs> Earth's biomes and atmosphere, defeating bad guys for the name of family.
0: Yeah, I I'm, okay, look, Rookie brings up, though, a very, very valid point here. And that is that the Batmobile in this movie, if you still have not seen Batman, you've seen in the trailers, there's a scene with the Batmobile. And the, there are some people who saw when the pictures of the Batmobile came out, thought that doesn't look all that impressive. I was one of them. Yeah, I thought, okay. I mean, cool, look grittier, more of a realistic looking car. I mean, nothing special. Man, I love the tumbler. But yeah, this one looks all right. The Batmobile in this movie is so freaking awesome it is it is a scene stealer i mean it's an absolute scene stealer. rob that scene where it first appears dude it's it's like the monster coming out of the shadows in a horror movie for the first time you know what i'm saying
2: i mean you know to in terms of to me the closest thing another great warner brothers property uh it reminded me of mad max's v8 interceptor in in the road warrior the last of the v8 interceptors i mean this thing is a hand-built muscle car that is designed to be the is meant to be a military vehicle, but this thing is a tank and I loved it and it's fast, it's mean, it's ferocious. Come on, how many cars actually roar? Yeah,
4: <laughs> this roars,
2: this car roars. All right. What's next
1: from Josh Kahn? Hey, John and crew. Just saw that Riot Games have made a new equity investment in Footage Animation Studio. Right after winning nine Annie Awards this weekend for Arcane, uh, one of two. two, 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 two. Uh, in there, they mentioned Arcane season two is in production along with other to be announced productions. Could this mean a cinematic universe? If it's near as good as the show, I'm all for it. I
0: mean, it's possible because here's the thing. How- Hollywood right now and all of entertainment is so fucking addicted to everything's got to be shared cinematic universe, uh, which I'm getting, quite frankly, I'm getting bored of, but it's possible. All I know is that Arcane went from a show that I had zero interest in to being my number one favorite animated show of all
2: time.
1: I still have to watch it. I haven't seen it. I'm shocked. I know. Right up your alley.
2: You'll get sucked in in the first gonna five minutes. You're going to get addicted to it. Really like, You'll exactly be like, uh, Okay.
0: It it is it is like the, the, the like to me the best animated show I've ever
2: seen. The is. design work, oh, and the, uh, yeah. it, it's it's really amazing. Oh, okay. Now you said a video game company,
1: yeah, like
2: Riot Games, Riot Games, Ra- r- r- yeah. I was just okay, but have they has Riot Games purchased them, the animation company?
0: Uh, well, at least they bought into the company. Yeah. Okay, it's they, right. bought, so they like, made yeah. an investment,
2: man, because I could see video games in the same kind of style. I can totally understand why Riot Games would have done that. Because, you know, having obviously or they just
0: got a, a good taste of the entertainment side of it. And they want to get more into that.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's very, very cool. I I think that's a great and, you know, Riot Games is a huge, a huge company. Yeah. And I I, I would love to uh, see one of our
0: mutual. You don't I don't know if you know this, but one of our close mutual friends uh, worked there for a number of years. You you may not even know that. So I'll tell you who it was okay. a bit later. But yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, but I think that that's I think this is a good a good fit.
4: All
1: right. What's next? From MP, John Rob Chris Ray. I watched a movie called West Side Story. It's about a group of people that all dance and sing in unison and don't realize they live in a simulation.
0: I mean, yeah, it could be. I mean, when you look at the opening to Steven Spielberg's 2021, you almost feel like it could be, I'm taking you into another world. Right. The opening shot, that sky view. A dystopian
2: shot. landscape where yeah. the, the, the neighborhoods are being destroyed to build the futuristic Lincoln Center.
0: Again, despite the fact that Steven Spielberg is the greatest filmmaker of all time, he is the GOAT. I thought this was a mistake. I thought this movie was a mistake. I mean, nobody today wants to see a bunch of scrawny kids running around the street singing about how tough they are while snapping their fingers. It's, it's, it's not going to work today. Best movie of the year.
2: By the way, I just would like to point out that the great documentarian Laurent bozero who did a lot of great Spielberg documentaries over the years during the DVD era, era, has come back. Mm -hmm. And on the 4K disc, John, which you, by the way, have a 4K disc player right out there. What?
4: He does? You
2: can purchase the West Side Story 4K disc and watch the great Laurent Bosero's new documentary on the making of Spielberg's West Side Story, which I know you want to do. I would loan you my disc, but I don't loan my discs to anyone. So you're going to have to buy one on your own.
3: Yeah, that probably won't happen. I can loan you my terminal, John, if you want it. <laughs> Do you actually have a disc of terminal? I will. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that. I would be
0: totally down for that. All right, what's next?
1: Andy, Batman, what's vengeance if not trauma persevering? Well said. Nightly a little, little bit of WandaVision callback Andy. there,
0: Andy. Well done, man. All right, what's next?
1: Orlando, where I go? So Cats is on Peacock, and I regret regret hitting play to that movie.
0: Yeah, I don't know why anybody would put that on their service. I mean... Probably contractual deal. I'll tell you what, though. The year before Cats came out, I was at CinemaCon, and Jennifer Hudson came out on stage at CinemaCon in this beautiful gown with a grand piano and a player they playing the grand piano for it. And she sang that iconic song She from sang Cats. Memory? She sang Memory.
1: See, and that's who you want singing that song, but then you look at that movie and you're like, no,
0: yeah, no. I, and I tell you, in that moment, being there 18 rows away from Jennifer Hudson on stage singing Memory, I'm like, I gotta watch this movie. Yeah. I cannot wait for this movie. Ian McKellen, what? Dame Judi Dench. Dame Judi, I mean, this movie is going, one of the most celebrated stage productions of all time. This movie, and directed by the director of The King's Speech, one of my favorite Oscar-winning films ever. I'm like, this movie's going to be all kinds of awesome.
2: You know what, though? Wah, wah. We, we have to give it up because one of the two funniest things that were ever said on the show, both were said by Chris Carr, one of them was in reference to cats. Yes. And buttholes.
1: Yeah. Yes. All right, what's next? <laughs> Thanks for thinking those are the funniest things, Rob. That's sweet. Um, Casey Mac, I'm actually... Andy. Oh, you're right, Andy. One of two saw the Batman for a fourth time in Dolby Cinema. Nice. The surround sound is immersive, especially during the Batmobile sequence. So good. Also saw the most hilarious comedy on Friday, the 2022 DC movie lineup teaser. <laughs> is this false advertisement at this point, since the delay news came out on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, once <laughs>
0: I have seen that happen though before, where a movie gets moved, right? But for the next week or two, you still see a trailer for it advertising the wrong release date, and I didn't know they were still playing that
2: DC. Spot. Well, hey man, if they can sue somebody over Anna de Armas not appearing in I was uh, yesterday,
1: just say that. Like, can we why get don't we start class a class? Suit?
2: Let's start a class action lawsuit. Come There's on. a difference.
0: You haven't paid any money for those DC films yet, so but I'm that's a difference.
1: I thought but I would the paid, Aquaman and Flash this year.
2: Yeah, I, I paid money to see that trailer.
1: No, you didn't.
0: No, you paid the money. They didn't advertise that trailer. They advertised the movie. Big difference. The Anna Armas thing, they show her in the trailer. You're telling the audience, hey, if you buy this thing, you're going to get this. And they didn't give it. That's false advertising. And, I, I, like, I don't care which, whatever way you cut. You show me a, pa- a box. You show me this box, and you show it with Batman with the Batarang in his hand. And you say, you're going to get this Batman. Look, look, look at that Batman. And you're going to get the one with the Batarang in his hand. And then I ta- and you put that on the box, and that's what I'm getting. And then I open it up, and it's not there? That's false advertising. Yo,
2: man, What's DC told me I was seeing Aquaman and Flash but in 2022. But you didn't pay any money for it.
0: So you advertised that movie. Then people paid money to see the movie, expecting to see what you said was going to be in it, and it wasn't there. Big, big difference. Why Huge are you arguing difference.
2: against me? Why don't we just start the class action suit and see if we can make some cash? <laughs> I mean,
0: maybe we should. What damn if it? I'm
1: an investor? I
2: understand you're
0: going Oh, be- now, what if you're an investor? But then you got to show how this move has cost you money. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. See
2: what happens when somebody's actually worked
0: in a law office. I know. I know, damn it. <gasps> it's an annoying trait that Ann gets frustrated with sometimes. Okay, sorry, what's next?
1: Now, Casey Mack. They're just I'm,
0: two people.
1: I'm actually surprised that the boys trailer wasn't one of your topics today, unless it's an off the top. The trailer I thought looked great. Also looks like uh, it'll have a musical episode.
0: Uh, yeah, I decided not to put it in, but I very well could have. I just I just talk about the boys a lot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I know not
0: everybody watches the boys. I thought it looked great. Jensen Ackles, a soldier boy, is going to be awesome. This promises that the bonkersness is going to continue. I want to see a straight-up butcher versus Homelander fight. If that's what this season's actually setting up, I'm going to lose my mind.
2: There's Mm -hmm. some disturbing bloodletting in that trailer, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, there is. Very disturbing. I
0: cannot wait for for this show to come back, Casey. I am so stoked for it. I just, I cannot wait. A-Train, I mean, again, I particularly, I don't know why I love scenes when, like, Homelander turns on his fellow seven members. Like there's Mm -hmm. something, when you see these incredibly powerful gods tremble in fear before Homelander, like there's something dramatically very compelling about those scenes, Mm -hmm. right? And it still still reminds me of season one. What's the name of their Batman character again? Black, dark, dark. Black Noir. Black Noir. Black Noir. Noir. Like in season one of The Boys, as Homelander's kind of reprimanding the entire seven, like the seven are sitting around their big table, he's reprimanding all of them. It's like, you guys are doing that. Except for you, Black Noir, great job as always. (laughs) And like Black Noir is just totally, I love that scene. Do
1: you you guys think, because I don't now, do you think they're going to do the big Black Noir reveal from the comics or no?
2: I didn't read that far Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Right. I, that's a good question.
1: I keep wondering. See, about I don't
0: it. even know what it is, but we shouldn't reveal it.
1: No, that's why I'm being vague as hell. All
2: right. Okay. What's next?
1: All right. From Out of Time, 1985. How is the new studio hunt going? All
0: right. I I, I will let you know. Um, the hunt for a new studio continues. I have put in an offer on a studio space.
1: That's exciting.
0: And, and I'll tell you guys right now. I put up a video of a studio space that I toured that I really like. That's the studio space. I put it up a couple of months ago, but this week I have put in an offer for it to get the studio space. Um, we will go from having—what do you think we got in here? Three hundred square feet, three hundred and fifty. Yeah, let's say three hundred and fifty square feet uh, in this in this studio that we're in right now to twenty-six hundred square feet. So
1: we do so many cartwheels,
0: and they like I'll do somersaults all day. Aww. No. And we're going to fill up the space. Like it's, it's it's going to actually have some office space for people to work in. We're going to have room for multiple sets to do different shows. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll find out because the offer I've given them is not what they're asking for. Uh, but hey, listen, in the post-pandemic era when a lot of companies don't use offices anymore and all their employees, I think it's a buyer's market. And so I've gone in with an offer lower than what they're asking for. And uh, we'll see if we get it. Hope, hopefully, I would love if by may we've moved into a new studio i would love it i'm not 100 sure that may is realistic but i'm going to keep my fingers crossed that in may we'll be in a new studio all right thanks a lot for asking man what's next
1: uh from mp john i have a crazy alternate reality movie idea and it all relies on the lead part being played by john david washington as george washington um
0: okay okay I don't know if I if if I can really see that, but all right, why not? Okay, what's next?
1: Uh, Andy again. Not to get political, but Bob Chapek further dug his own grave with his oh. creatives over his initial stance on what's going on in Florida.
0: Um, we're not going to. We're not here to talk about anything political or anything like that. So I, I appreciate your point of view on that, but we're not going to get into that. All right, what's next?
1: City of Swift pre-ordered the Pattinson Batman Deluxe Version Hot Toy. My oh. first Hot Toy figure gotta have my favorite batman's figure right
0: i'll tell you what i went on okay so get a little bit connected to the studio search topic i was starting to look for some shelving for a new studio space and i'm looking for shelving that has enough room that you could fit a hot toy in it so i went over to sideshow collectibles website last night and what's well, because the shelves are it has 32 centimeters of space that's Canadian speak for you American folks. 32 centimeters. And I went through looking at a bunch of hot toys and like the Batman one for Robert Pattinson was 31 centimeters. And like a Stormtrooper was 30 centimeters. So I'm thinking, ooh, maybe these shells are going to be big enough to put it because I'm going to ask him on air. I'm going to ask Rob when we get the new studio set up to bring some hot toys in to put up on set. So I haven't asked him that yet, but I just wanted to make sure there's going to be some room in there. We'll buy some more and everything too.
2: But- uh, Magi cases, John.
0: I mean, I but you can't find them anywhere anymore.
2: Well, yeah, you have to order them.
0: Like, and my buddy, like my buddy, uh, mine and Ray's buddy Ryan, like he's been trying for months to get them for his. You uh, you hot have toys. to order
2: them. They make them, and they 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 they.
0: And those would probably be stupid expensive. So I I don't. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. We'll we'll think about. But have you already put in your order for the the bat the Battinson hot toy?
2: Uh, I cannot tell a lie. Yes. It looks and so good. So the the Robert Pattinson Batman the deluxe version that comes with the bat signal that lights up. There's that one and then they just put up his motorcycle for pre-order.
0: Really? Oh god, that's going to be cheap. No, it's only 315 bucks, John. Oh, gee, is that all? Come on now. I can buy twenty pops for that.
1: I, I still have to pay my part on my speeding ticket from the other day. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be I a, can't get any hot toy.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, they're so expensive. All right, what's next?
1: Sam Fisher. What about Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman starring in a buddy cop comedy like Rush Hour, Tango and Cash, or the other guys? I mean, yeah.
0: I mean that that's fine. And and that'll work, and a lot of people suggested that. Mm-hmm. I want a face-off remake. I want a face-off remake with these two guys, um, you know, as enemies, as opponents. You could have some great on-screen stuff with the two of them. I want a face-off remake. I mean, your idea would totally work, Sam. Totally would. Absolutely. And I'll be thrilled to see it. But I'm not going to lie. I I really want a face-off remake with these two. All right. What's next?
1: From Shelby. I would have loved to have had Girls' Day and take my cousins to see this. The youngest is almost 15 and was adopted from China. She would have loved it. Oh, Turning Red, yeah.
0: Oh my, look, all I can tell, I've talked to several people who've seen it. I haven't met anybody or talked, and I'm sure there are people who didn't like it. I'm just saying I haven't personally talked to anybody that didn't love it. Same. Um, And had some really big reactions to it. And again, it really highlights what a bonehead ass decision it was to pull this thing from theaters. This should have been a movie theatrical experience. And then you put it on Disney Plus for everybody. But I, this should have been a movie enjoyed in movie theaters. This thing would have made them not a billion dollars, but it would have made them a ton of money. And again, the the disrespect to the animators at Pixar, but whatever, the movie is great. It's, it's an absolute win for them. All right,
1: what's next? Justin Lee, the trailer for the final season of Better Call Saul just released. But why do you think this critically acclaimed show has not gotten the same buzz as other top shows? Might end up better than BB, Breaking Bad.
0: It, it, it's, it's because of Breaking Bad. Look, when you, you are a spinoff show of an all-time beloved series, to some people, the greatest show of all time. It's not in my top five, but I love Breaking Bad. And, but for a lot of people, a number of people, it's like their number one favorite show of all time. It doesn't matter how good you are. You are always going to be in that show's shadow. You just will. And I have not caught up on Better Call Saul. I watched the first couple of seasons and then I fell off it. Not because I didn't like it. I I just fell off it. I just forgot about it and I've never gotten caught back up. Um, I don't think it's as good as Breaking Bad, but it's really good. And some people think it's even better. Rob, have you watched Better Call Saul? Yeah, I mean, look,
2: it? I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. And I I have, with Better Call Saul, I stopped watching it intentionally to wait until mm. the rest. I want to get the rest of it. Because when I first watched Breaking Bad, I, I had not I'd seen the pilot and that was it. And then I bought the Blu-ray, the, the entire series that came in the 50-gallon oil drum. And I watched, I binged the whole thing. I've done it twice. It's amazing. And it annoyed the F out of me that I that Better Call Saul was not done. So I am so excited that this, this series is going to be over and I expect to get the equivalent set and I'm going to watch it all in a week.
1: Oh, nice.
0: All right. What's next?
1: From Ketchup on Eggs. Uh-huh. Imagine the free guy Easter eggs we'll get in Deadpool 3.
0: Oh, I expect there'll be numerous. Absolutely numerous ketchup and eggs. You're not wrong about that. All right, what's next?
1: Sam Fisher, will my Discovery Plus account be grandfathered in?
0: I doubt it. Uh, And the reason I doubt it is because I'm sure there will be a special deal given. Yeah. But HBO is a premium streamer service. I think it's $15, if if I'm not mistaken, right around 15 bucks. Discovery's $4.99. They're not going to grandfather... I don't see them grandfathering you in to a combined extra service at one third of what the price is on just the one service well, alone. So I, I think you might get a really good deal, but I can't see that being grandfathered in.
2: You are, John, you're David Zaslav. What do you set the price at for this new streamer?
0: I think I keep it, I keep it at what HBO Max is. I think I keep it at $15. I think $15 is a great value proposition. You're paying 50 cents a day for a world of some of the greatest content ever put on, t- on television screens. But you don't want the distinction of being definitively the most expensive streamer in the streaming business right now. And they are already at the top end. But if they were to say, make this $20 a month, listen, as a consumer, that is still a good value proposition. I mean, $20 a month for what you get on that is still a good value proposition, but now you would be so far, so far the most expensive of all the bunch. You don't want that distinction. I keep it at $15. What do you do?
2: I mean, look, I think that's probably a good idea. The problem is you are combining two services and you're not getting any more money. I think they're probably going to have to increase. They're going to have to do something. And I would think maybe not to start, But they would come out and say, okay, here, for the first year, we're going to keep the price, two services for the price of one. But at the end of the first year, it goes up to $17.99.
0: But see, but that's, that's the other part of this, because that initial loss will be offset by the $3 billion in savings they do every year by the combination. Plus, we got to understand this, all the streaming prices are going up. Mm-hmm. they're all great. netflix just recently announced another p- price increase disney's announcing new price increases you give this thing another year or two you wait till all the services keep creeping up then you can say okay now we're increasing this to yeah. 18 dollars a month and maybe we're the most expensive but we're only the most expensive by a dollar or two yeah. you, know? You,
2: you know the problem is they're the spending on programming is 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 exceeding their subscription dollars coming in and they're trying to You know increase their profits what's eventually going to have to happen is they're gonna have to spend less on content they're gonna have to get their content spend into an area where their subscriptions bring them profit i agree that's gonna be
1: well i think what you need to do too instead of raising your prices well not constantly but continuing to raise your prices do what apple and youtube tv have done you've got to have that vpn thing you've got to have it kind of geotagged almost someone tries to use my apple password i have to be the one who signs them in from my phone saying yeah that's okay and that's going to annoy people enough that they're not going to let their friends use their passwords anymore. There's like five people with HBO Max, I'm convinced. We're all just sharing the same password.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. All the streamers have said recently that, they're, that in the next year or two, they're all going to be coming up with new technology that massively cracks down on password sharing. Yep. They used to be okay with it, and then they realized this is costing us hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and they're going to probably crack down on that. But Which
2: I don't have a problem with. You know, I don't think yeah. I, I think the way we get great entertainment is it has to be paid for. Exactly. We have to stop people thinking that just because it's a file that they can download that they should get it for free.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and I'm I'm more than happy to pay for like four or five services around $15. Yeah. That's fine. That doesn't upset me. If I'm paying for four or five services that are all like $30, yeah. I'm going to stop si- having some of those streamers.
0: And, and it is getting expensive enough that we're going to have to make choices. Yeah. But that's true of everything in life. Yeah. I can't have all the cars I want. I got I got to make choices. I got to
1: you pick
0: one.
4: You have the only one. car you need. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh. the Chris
0: car. <laughs> the only car anybody needs. But no, but no I need like <laughs> I, I don't get to have all the cars I want. I can mm-hmm. pick one and I got to live with that one because that's mm-hmm. what I can afford, right? So, I mean, that's true of everything in life. Like we're not going to be able to have all of it. Some people will, I guess. But yeah, we're going to have to make some choices and, and these things are just going to get more expensive. All right, what's next?
1: All right, Andy, one of two. You said that there were creatives at Disney looking at safety nets for an exit. Do you think Kevin Feige is possibly looking at his safety net uh, as well? If he is, there's a certain studio that just recently changed their film schedule that could certainly use his expertise and leadership.
0: I've already, I've said many times, I'm, five years from now, Kevin Feige is not the president of Marvel Studios. I'm not even so certain three years from now he is. I honestly believe that Kevin Feige, and I, I know, Rob, you and I differ on this, but I honestly believe, number one, Kevin Feige has done everything there is to do with Marvel. And he needs new challenges. And number two, the power structure at Disney reshuffling has taken power away from him. He is less, today, Kevin Feige is less in control of Marvel than he was uh, two years ago. He is less in control now than he was two years ago. And now instead of being a direct report to Alan Horn, he's got a couple of layers of bureaucracy above him of business suit people. And he doesn't even get to choose now what of his projects goes to the movie theaters or goes to streaming. That's not his decision. He doesn't get that choice anymore. Yes, I believe. I have no insider information on this. But I believe sooner rather than later, you are going to hear about Kevin Feige going somewhere else. It's just time. And then he's going to go somewhere else and he's going to triumph there and he's going to go from legendary to god status. And he can't achieve god status staying in the same place. He achieves God's god status by doing what he did with Marvel and then going somewhere else and replicating, even to a degree, that kind of success. He goes from super respected, one of the all-time... He goes to God's status at that point. So, yeah, I believe with all the bullshit happening at Disney, I believe he leaves at some point. I don't know. Rob, where's your thought on that right now?
2: Uh, you know, I think he's got a lot more to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for another, uh, you know, three phases of Marvel to take it to a place where... I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet. I think he's got plans, and I think he wants to do... He's going to do Endgame and Infinity War again, but bigger. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, I think that's where he's going. And then he'll be done.
4: All
0: right. Uh, with that down, let's take another quick break here and thank another one of the sponsors of today's show, our friends. Good thing if you're into online privacy, ExpressVPN. VPN we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Now guys, does it make sense that the same company who controls half the online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? Or what about the idea that a single company controls 90% of the internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? You guys know that big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts and that's why i use expressvpn you see when you run expressvpn on your device the software hides your ip address something that big tech companies can use to personally identify you so expressvpn makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers expressvpn also encrypts 100 of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network so stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information protect yourself with the vpn that i I trust to keep me safe online visit expressvpn.com slash campia that's e-x-p-r-e-s-s vpn.com slash campia to get three extra months free go to expressvpn.com slash campia right now to learn more and thank you to the good folks at expressvpn for being a sponsor of today's episode of the john campia show all right let's get back to your live questions here guys chris what do we got
1: next orlando orego i saw volcano on youtube since i have the premium service still a great disaster movie have you seen the movie YouTube offer for free for premium? I have not seen
0: it on YouTube, but I remember Volcano. I mean, that's the one that came out about the same time as Dante's Peak, yep. right?
1: Oh, I remember Dante's Peak. Or they I don't destroy
0: <laughs> I just, <laughs> uh, I like both of those movies. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for these disaster kind of films, especially back. It Was Pierce Brosnan? Which one was he? In?
2: Dante's Peak. You think Dante's Peak, peak for, for that? That's why, why I saw that. Dan Hayes and Tommy Lee Jones are yes. in a volcano. That's right, oh. volcano rules.
1: They destroy the like La- <laughs> they destroy like the La Brea tar pits? Well no the, the, tar tar pits? the,
2: the, the corner where the Academy Museum is. Yeah. F- the corner of Fairfax and La Brea. The tar pits where I lived erupt. by the way
0: when I first okay. moved to-
2: here. But but yeah, and it, what I love about it is they, they like built a recreation of that street corner just because since I've lived in LA, I've driven on that street corner, of that whole neighborhood a hundred million times. Yeah. And then it, it it ends at the Beverly Center. So It's just if you live in L.A., there's something delicious about because, you know, you want the world to end in your neighborhood. That's what I've always thought. I'd like to have a video camera and film everything and get on the news. And volcanoes, the closest I'll ever come to having my neighborhood destroyed. I
1: feel like we need to have a real long talk about you and your mortality. Are you okay, (laughs) bud?
2: All
0: right. Let's keep going. What's next?
1: (laughs) Uh, Seconds from disaster. One of three. Hi, John and crew. I watched The Adam Project and loved it. The story wasn't the strongest, but I love the dynamic between all the characters, especially the bar scene, there we go, when he is talking to his mom. Now that Deadpool has been announced to be directed by the same director, seeing this movie gives me hope for Deadpool. The bigger budget will help too. Think this is a good director to take on Deadpool, and does it give you hope? What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I mean, let's be clear, number one, I I never didn't have hope. (laughs) <laughs> for for this, I mean, at Deadpool 3, I mean, it's not like, oh, man, I don't know if it can be any good. Like, I've always had extreme hope that this movie could be absolutely fantastic. Um, I share your sentiment about The Atom Project. Um, it is not the strongest story, quite frankly. But it is still, overall, a delightful movie to watch because, again, it's the character dynamics. Yeah. Especially between ryan reynolds and the kid who played the younger version of him every line of dialogue between those two was utterly fantastic and again that kid
1: walker walker scobe
0: playing the younger version of ryan reynolds was so
1: disturbingly spot on have you seen this is so weird have you seen his Kraft mac and cheese commercial No, it's hysterical because it's just him saying all kinds of inappropriate shit. And the director being like, why are you like this? And it's just him riffing off stuff. And then Ryan's like, I'm sorry, I'm probably responsible for this. This is a real Kraft macaroni and cheese. It's so funny. So this is look it up. It's I, wonderful.
0: This I had it's no idea.
4: I, 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 I did, have any of you guys in the
0: live chat? Because I mean, obviously this is, if Ryan Reynolds is also in it, first of all, yeah. what are they paying? Right? And then, so it has to be since Adam. Okay. Okay. I got to see delightful. This. this. I want to see this. All right. What's next?
1: Um, from Reels and Heels, RIP to an acting legend, William Hurt and WD, WWE Hall of Famer, Scott Hall. Yeah.
0: yeah uh, obviously we were talking about William Hurt earlier. Uh, Scott Hall has passed away. Uh, Razor, Ramon, Razor the, Ramon, the bad guy. Uh, say hello to the bad guy. I mean, it, it, that was an era of wrestling. Of course, him and Diesel leaving the WWE, going over to WCW and creating the New World Order is what started the,
3: the most iconic run in wrestling history, the Monday Night Wars. And I, I, I believe Razor Ramon was the very first time where I started cheering for a, a heel. A for heel. heel? He was the very first heel... That I found myself cheering cheering for. Because his wrestling moves were good. And his character was just so funny to me. Like it was so over the top. Like that that accent that he would pull off. Was just so over. Like so corny that I liked it. So Kevin Nash. Uh, deep, big daddy cool Diesel. Uh,
0: Kevin Nash put out a really touching. Um, Instagram post. Before they pulled the plug on the life support. It said just basically talking out like. He's the closest friend I've ever had. And now we have to get ready to live in a world without without him. Uh, for those of you who don't know what happened, he was going in for a hip surgery, from what I understand, and there were complications from the hip, sur- hip surgery. I think there was a blood clot issue. He suffered like three heart attacks and had to be put on life support, and then they pulled him off life support today. So yeah, uh, a uh, if you're into sports entertainment, uh, into, the, into wrestling, we lost a, a really, an iconic figure in Scott Hall.
1: Oh gosh, he was only 63?
0: Yeah, oh. and he was just recently uh, the the focus in this documentary. Uh, where Diamond Dallas Page was like getting these wrestlers who had like Jake the Snake, Robert Scott Hall, who had just like lost their health. They had given into massive addictions, and they were just terrible shells of their former selves. And Diamond Dallas Page, who would come in and really help them get their lives back together. I- Iconically, Ray, I'm sure, assuming you saw the Jake the Snake, Robert stuff. Yeah, diamond down, and like, and Jake Roberts got himself clean, got himself healthy, and then they started working with Scott Hall. So, it's really heartbreaking to it, hear this.
3: It's unfortunate that they have to go through that time because whatever they did that wasn't good for their body, it's gonna last with them. Yeah. And so, no matter how they change things, so we just gotta appreciate their time here, what they, uh, their entertainment value that they gave us, mm-hmm. and uh, just hope for the best that hopefully wow. some of them actually can overcome whatever they did when they were wrestling.
1: It's just super scary too after this weekend with Biggie getting
3: hurt
1: too. Oh yeah, I I saw him.
0: Yeah. Saw a picture of him in the hospital. They put their bodies through so much. All right, what's next?
1: Sam Fisher. On a scale from Golden Globes to Academy Awards, how legit and meaningful are the Critics' Choice Awards? Can you create a scaling for the awards? I would say this, like
0: when it comes comes to specific disciplines, like acting, it's Academy Awards SAG. Mm -hmm. Directing, it's the Academy Awards DGA. Um, but I would say, in overall thing, I would actually consider the Critics' Choice to be the second most legitimate yeah. one. Although, in recent years, the Critics' Choice have started incorporating a lot of bullshit categories just for TV ratings, and they've lost a lot of my respect. I still like listen, and, and I say this being close friends with many members of the of the Broadcast Film Critics Society and all due respect, but I used to love the Critics' Choice Awards and I would tune into them. I gave up on them a couple of years ago. I would still say they're probably the second most legit, Mm -hmm. far above the Golden Globes, but uh, that's where I would put it myself.
1: Where do you put in BAFTAs?
0: It's tough because BAFTAs are so specialized Mm -hmm. that I definitely pay attention to the BAFTAs. Like They just had the BAFTAs uh, and stuff like that so i definitely pay attention to them but because it's so specialized whereas the critics choice is for everybody holly uh, the the academy is basically for everybody Mm -hmm. i don't know where to put it to be honest with you it's like the same question i would have about the genie awards which is the canadian Mm -hmm. you know um uh awards thing i don't really count it in it because it's so more specialized yeah so that's a good question. I'd have to think about that. That's a good question. Mm. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, from John Redcorn, this year marks the 25th anniversary of the Notorious B.I.G.'s death. What is your favorite Biggie Small song and thoughts on the biopic Notorious?
0: You know what's funny that you bring that up? I, I'm a YouTube surfer, right? Like I, I sit, I grab a bite to eat when I have a break, turn on my TV, I just put it on YouTube, and I just look what's in my recommendation list. And every once in a while, because I admit I'm a bit of a sucker for Pawn Stars. And just yesterday, a recommended clip from Pawn Stars came up of the show, speaking of Biggie, and of course everybody knows his connection to to Tupac and all that kind of stuff. Brought up was the car, the actual car, was brought into Pawn Stars that Tupac was shot in. And it was the actual car, oh. and the guy wanted. It's a car that's worth about ten thousand dollars, but the the guy wanted one point five million for it. Oh, and it was it was certified. It was the car. I mean that that car is musical music industry history, yeah. cultural history. A little morbid. I
1: was going to say, and and a crime scene. Yes,
0: and a, and a living, rolling crime scene. But the guy wanted one point five million for it, and. Oh. They, of course, as they always do, they brought in their experts to look at it. And they said at auction, this car could bring in anywhere from half a million to one million. So obviously, Rick wasn't going to pay a 1.5 million for that. So they didn't make a deal. But I just thought that was really, so I think that's pretty cool that you bring that up. And we will pop on Biggie music every once in a while in the car as we're going to. So I don't know. Rob, you got any memories of that?
2: Well, you know, I I was just looking to consult with uh, the old internet, but I... I've been working on a script where I want to use One More Chance, the tune One More Chance. Now that I've brought that up, they'll probably charge me an arm and a leg to get it if I <laughs> forget the project off the ground. But I certainly would like to use that song. All right, what's next?
1: Um, From... Uh, Wallet H- Haji, I'm so sorry if I said your name wrong. Uh, do you think the Batman will have long legs?
0: Well, with only a 50% yeah. drop after one week and making 66 million, it looks like it's going to have some pretty good—not I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home legs—but for for a film, it looks like it's going to have very good legs. All right, what's next?
1: From James Germain, Adam Project, so good. Mark Ruffalo saying, "I love you."
0: I mean that. Okay, again, we're not going to go into specifics or anything spoiler way, but yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Very good in this film. So oh good Very, very good in this film, James. All right, it's next. Out of Time,
1: 1985. All right, John, what Canadian Easter eggs are in Turning Red that you notice? There's no
0: Easter eggs. It's all blatant. Yeah, it's a love letter. <laughs> well, it was a love letter to the city she grew up in, right? And everything from, you know, constantly seeing the CN Tower in the background, the the whole, the call-outs to the Sky Dome, the, the, the street names, the the always Canadian flags everywhere. So obviously to me, who am an absolute hundred percent Canadian homer, uh I got a big kick out of every single thing. The funny thing is there was a clip released where like the girl May May realizes that her mom is sneaking around the outside of the school and a school security guard who's got I forget the name of the of the um the actual name of the turban that that uh they wear and i uh that,
1: is it Sikhs who wear them?
0: I, yeah, but and I'm trying to remember, remember the name of it. But whatever. But I remember seeing that and thinking, my school security guard. This, yeah. so I was instantly like so attached to it. Because Canada, the way we describe it in Canada is that like C- Canada truly is a multicultural society. Yeah. And they call it, like in America, they call it the great melting pot. In Canada, we call it the tossed salad. <laughs> we call it like, it's, we don't. I like that. We don't we don't <laughs> blend everything till it's all the same. We everything is celebrated for its differences and diversity, and you saw a lot of that in this movie as well. So yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff, but I wouldn't even call it the Easter first eggs, time I had a plain.
2: conversation with a Sikh was in Canada, and I knew he was a Sikh because of the turban he was wearing, and he asked me who's cab driver, and it was I was going up to the set of X Men Two, and he said to me, he goes, you know you know I'm a Sikh, a lot of people don't know I'm a Sikh and I said, well, it's because of Star Trek and he goes, what do you mean? and I said, well, there's a character in Star Trek named Khan Noonien Singh who's who's a Sikh and he looked at me and he said and I thought this was great he goes, you know, we Sikhs were like potatoes everywhere you go, you can find potatoes (laughs) and I said, I like that (laughs) always a food analogy, I like that there you go All right, what's next?
1: All right, from Joel, I finally watched Seven, not knowing anything about the film other than the title. Great what way an to go into incredible movie. Oh, that's I... that's
0: that's a cool way to go into a yeah. classic like that. Oh. How about that ending,
2: dude? The whole movie. If you don't know what that movie's like, after the first ten minutes, you're like, "What am I watching?" It's so good. But still, like it, it's it's got that Planet
0: of the Apes ending kind of ending. Mm-hmm. It's an ending that you just go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like, right? It's just. Whew, and now you understand you probably checked it out because of all the comparisons people were making the batman to it yeah. but whatever got you to watching and i'm glad you had a chance to see it dude. i just
1: hope he wasn't eating spaghetti while. greatest use it. of nine inch nails
2: in an opening credits song
1: yeah. ever all
0: right what's next
1: casey mack again more sad news today scott hall after suffering three heart attacks during hip surgery is on life support and the family could pull the plug today yeah and as and it turns did. out they they
0: uh, were understanding they have pulled the plug now casey and Yeah, real loss for the wrestling world. All right, what's next?
1: Duck Cookie was lucky enough to see Turning Red on the big screen. It was packed that Friday night with families, unattended middle schoolers, and increasingly awkward adults like me. (laughs) Disney robbed this movie.
0: Disney 1,000% robbed this movie. And it's so weird because I want to praise Disney so much for making this movie, but also slap them proverbially across their stupid face. Right for for not having this be a theatrical film.
4: Like I, is I it wanna... the
2: third or fourth Pixar movie that's been moved to third, third, third. They did it with the wonderful um, Souls
1: soul, one. soul.
0: Then they did it for the pretty good Luca. I didn't mm-hmm. love Luca, but it was definitely pretty. That pasta recipe is bomb.
1: Yes, I, it is. I Ooh. just
3: want to interrupt real quick, just so we can make things clear that he is still on life support. I thought, but... Oh,
1: I thought you said they, no, they, no, they, no. I thought they, so oh, too.
3: I'm sorry, everyone, but. The latest news he's still on life support, but oh, he is scheduled to be taken off. Oh, I yeah, think I thought they heard they I hadn't think that, actually yeah, done it now. I think okay. they're taking their time to say goodbye, which is probably oh, what's needed. All right, thanks for know? the
0: update on that. Sorry, because I, I thought they, yeah. it had been said earlier that they had now actually pulled the plug. Okay, good to know. Thank you for that. All right. What's next?
1: Harps K, turning red is delightful, but slightly puzzled at the lower than expected Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Looks like some folks were taken aback by the theme.
0: I think there's clearly a, a political thing going on here with, with, uh, with that, because the, the movie is fantastic. It's all subjective. Not everybody's going to like it. Yeah. That's the way movies are. Uh, and the critic rate, but yeah, a lot about, this is anti-family and blah, blah. It's like, oh my God, you've never watched a Disney film, have you? Or you've never actually lived in the real world. Yeah. But it, 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 to me, it's clearly a lot of people bringing, um, bringing some preset agendas to to the table. So I, I'm just ignoring it myself because the movie is great. And again, if you watch it and didn't like it, nothing wrong with that. That's movies are subjective. You didn't like, it, you didn't like it. But I think when you read through those things, you can clearly read some agendas when you read because I did. I hopped on Rotten Tomatoes and I started to read through some of the, some of the negative ones, and it's like, okay, so this, it's not yeah i watched it it didn't work for me i didn't find it funny and those are fine but it was all this movie didn't do didn't show families the way families are supposed to be shown yeah. with obedient children and blah 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 this is bad and like yeah you know what i i don't know go 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 back and into your that's bomb targeted, shelter. targeted
2: too that those are things those are organized
0: yeah it's definitely campaigns. organized and, and targeted so you know go go, go back to your bomb shelter you know, wait, wait for whatever it is you're waiting for to come back out and, and but it is what it is. But again, if you are just somebody who watched the film and you just didn't like it, nothing wrong with that. What it's, families it's
2: even have obedient children in the history of humanity? <laughs> when does that ever happen? I'm sure. All I right. mean,
1: everyone I grew up thought their kids were.
2: Yeah, Ooh, that's, that's that's the, the issue. Yes. All right, what's next?
1: Abraham Ruiz, the week of Doctor Strange coming out is also the same week The Avengers turns 10 years old. Crazy how much has happened since then. Wow. A movie club episode that week?
0: uh maybe I, I mean i didn't realize yeah avengers turning 10. i still remember when they celebrated the 10th anniversary of the start of the mcu and i was like oh yeah i guess the number of years from that to avengers is how many years has almost passed here it's like yeah maybe that's that would be a good time to do an avengers wow. movie club to celebrating the 10th anniversary that's not a bad idea all right what's next
1: uh from Walid again i don't think a family-friendly deadpool will work I mean it just depends on how your family knows. No, no. a, a
0: family-friendly Deadpool <laughs> would never work. But the Batman is not exactly family-friendly. You can bring family to it, but I think, again, this is prior to the first Deadpool movie coming out. There was a way you could have done Deadpool as a very hard PG-13. There's definitely a way you could have done it, for sure. Not anymore, though. Like once you come out with an R-rated Deadpool, you can't go back. The genie's out of the bottle. There's just no going back there now. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, from Dante, hey, John and crew, the Critics' Choice Awards were last night, and it felt like a trial run for the new Oscars format. Thoughts on the show? Love ya, bring on the filthy. I haven't watched it in years. I didn't, I watch, didn't watch it. Watch no, it. I, I, I don't I watch it anymore. I won, but...
0: I, again, I used to watch it all the time until they started doing these desperation, please watch our show, moves. And I still respect the organization. I do, and I again, I still think it's the second most personally prestigious general award show uh, other than the Oscars. I do, but I I, I don't watch the show anymore. Uh, it, it probably won't ever again. But I, I still pay attention to what the results are because again, I know personally, I've got a lot of friends who vote on those things. So yeah. there you go. All right, what's next?
1: From James, new trailer for The Boys season three dropped this weekend and it was amazing. Lots of action and gore and the song choice fit the trailer perfectly.
0: It did. And obviously I'm a supernatural guy. So Jensen Ackles yes. coming in as as Soldier Boy, and just that one image of him with the obvious Captain America mask on and the, that smile of his, I'm so excited for this season. Like, I love this show. I completely love it. I can't, this oh, this trailer was so violent. All right, what's next?
1: From Michael, hello, John, Rewatched Wrath of Khan and was wondering, who's a better villain, Khan or Hans Gruber?
0: Hans Gruber, but Khan is one of the greatest villains. And one of the great things about Khan was was the fact, like, I still remember before that movie came out, they brought, before The Wrath of Khan came out, I mean, I was just a kid, but they rebroadcast the uh, the Khan episode of the original Space Star Seed. Trek. Space Seed. And I remember my mom really excited about it, because my mom really liked the original Star Trek. And I remember we watched that on TV. And then, so getting to go back to the movie and seeing them piggyback on that was a great thing. And Khan is truly one of the great screen villains ever. Mm-hmm. Hans Gruber, though, other than Vader, is an arguably a number one villain, screen villain ever. Hell yeah! But so, but so, me saying Hans Gruber is no disrespect to the to the Khan character at all. But Rob, you're a huge
2: Wrath of Khan guy. How would I mean, you answer that? Look, I I see Khan not as a villain, but as an antagonist. You know, he's a man out of time. Mm-hmm. He uh, he controlled a quarter of the world's population at one point. And uh, he tried, he offered the world order. What can you <laughs> say? I mean, it's not his fault that SETI Alpha 6 exploded six months. Six 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 left. Six, yeah, uh, I mean, it was kind of a bummer. And, and really, Khan's vengeance, Khan's wrath was created by Shatner, by Kirk, not checking in on their progress, John. All right. Could have solved the whole thing. Could have. All right, what's next?
1: From Gary, OMG, Rebel Wilson at the BAFTAs last night was cringeworthy. Uh,
0: again, didn't see it. Uh,
2: did I saw you some re- of
1: her opening monologue.
2: I thought her oh, monologue. Did
1: you host it? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Her...
2: her opening monologue had some pretty good There's lines gems in, in, in there. there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like, I like her. I enjoy her a lot. I she was
2: pretty funny. funny.
1: The, the best line I thought was that whole, like, it's very surprising to have an Australian hosting the BAFTAs because I'm from the bush. But when you think about it, aren't we all?
2: That. Uh, that was, I love that line.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, they couldn't do that line at the Academy
4: Awards.
2: <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was pretty
0: Oh uh, Yeah, but no, I didn't see the show, but thanks for giving your input on that, man. All right, what's next?
1: From Michael Serta, question for Rob. Did you see that Queen Studios is making a one-six scale Heath Ledger Joker? Oh, Looks like they boy. can give Hot Toys a run for their money. Oh, oh, by the way, Rob, how do, these stu- how
0: do these places get away with this? Because there are a lot of these knockoff things and they call they give them different names, mm. like uh, the, the gambit figure they call the card player
2: or something yes. like oh, that. Oh, I, I know. So, so yeah, those are unlicensed figures that that uh, licensed companies aren't going to make. So John, what's happened and what our viewers astutely bringing up is Queen Studios has been known for making beautiful statues. Their work is impeccable. They are jumping into the six scale fray and the first figure they're doing is a Heath Ledger Joker. There's two versions of it. There's one with rooted hair and one with sculpted hair, and they both are incredible. But the price point, John, the price point for the Queen Studios Rooted Hair Joker is probably gonna be around $1,600.
0: What? Whoa. For a one sixth scale figure? For
2: yes, why? sir. For what?
1: What is yes, it? Sir. What is it? Well, do? okay,
2: see look I love this. Okay, this has been this has been the action figure world for the last two weeks online. I love it. Uh, you're all looking
0: at me like, like <laughs> is it actually Heath Ledger's hair yeah. that they uh, no, cut so and put on
2: the does figures? His goats come so and here's talk to here no, so here's the thing, and then there's J and D studios, which is probably gonna be even more. So so these are these are the same way that you can have supercars and hypercars. You could buy a Ferrari or a Lambo or you could get like a Koenigsegg or a Bulgari. So this is if Hot Toys was a Ferrari now we're going up to Bulgari level. Dang. You know. Uh, Wait a second. I mean, so we're talking you about want a 12-inch uh, figure. We're talking a 6 scale for sixteen hundred dollars.
1: So a ruler.
2: Yes, and J and D might be even more. Does it give you orgasms? Oh, no, thank you. Like just by looking uh, at uh, it uh, or something? I mean just, depends, John. I'm just telling you, if you saw
1: thoughts
2: <laughs> I do that. I mean <laughs> Sorry.
3: Can, Can't
1: anything if you really believe. <laughs> <laughs> if you really believe. If only you believe, oh. you believe
2: enough. <sighs> no. Now so the thing about the thing about uh, Queen Studios is so far they only have licenses to warner properties they're going to do lord of the rings they're going to do batman they're going to do probably matrix whether people will buy them and i imagine they're going to do them in small batches 500 or a thousand pieces but i'm telling you man I, I love your enthusiasm but please don't buy that rob
3: sixteen hundred dollars even
2: i there's was, so I many I've been things having to this buy. conversation on other shows i stream on action figure shows mm-hmm. You know I was on Justin's collection. I was on with Lael Rockwell. This is the debates. These are the ongoing debates and the question is, would we all do it and I think we're all shaking our heads until you hold one in your hand then you're like
0: i i I don't care how at sixteen hundred dollars like the, I bought the new Mac pro or not the new Mac pro i bought I bought one of the new Mac studios right it is it's promising to be a a machine that Will do what things that accomplish. That if I spec'd out my computer, my PC, it would cost probably more than what this thing is going to be. But I don't care how good it is. If I hold it in my hands and they look at me and say the price tag on is thirty two thousand dollars, I'm going to uh, no. Yeah. I know.
2: Uh, look, uh, I don't care John, how good it is. John, no, John, you are being rational. <laughs> <laughs> That's that the is problem. <laughs> the, that is the rational, pragmatic way to be. You know what I would buy with that amount of money, but
3: but but like I wouldn't even spend it on that. It's like those huge. uh the huge R two D two Legos.
4: Yeah. But well,
2: by the way, I at should, least you get to do something. I should point out that they have not officially announced the price point. Okay. This is, okay. This is rumored or speculative, but I <laughs> okay, I, I,
1: no. I think we're in the ballpark. I think right. we're in the ballpark. That's okay. a studio apartment in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's Bananagrams. Hey, All don't right.
0: shoot the messenger. We got to keep not, moving here, guys. We're you. running out of time. Okay. What's next?
1: Uh, John Redcorn. If Moon Knight sucks, I fear what Rob would do.
0: I'll tell you exactly what Rob will do. We're, we're going to hear about it. Every day for
2: years. <laughs> we are gonna hear about
0: it this will be every the day.
2: For, well for how they botched Moon Knight. I would look at it this way. If Moon Knight sucks, that means there's less there's less annoyance I will have of Star Trek. Until May <laughs> when Moon Star Knight, Trek fuck. Strange New World starts. I mean there might be a month. I don't think it's going to suck, though.
3: Star Trek just followed the Moon Knight Twitter by, again. By the
2: way,
0: <laughs> by the way, Rob and I were talking about this before the show started. Oh,
2: okay. There you go.
0: I, I finally, I was a little bit late to watching Picard I told you you weren't supposed two. to bring this up. Well, did you? Sorry, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I can, I can too stop. Late. No, no, no. You this go right ahead. Right. I didn't do it. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So I was a little bit late watching episode two of season two of Picard, right? But I really liked the first episode. I thought, okay, maybe they just got lucky with the first episode. I really like season one, to be honest with you. And then I watched episode two, and I want... Because I remember Rob saying, you know what? This thing is just a a Star Trek greatest hits. And I watched episode two, and I thought, damn, you know what? Rob is right. But I'm digging it. Oh. It really works. I'm having a lot of fun watching this. And then Rob came in today and said...
2: I didn't hate it. (laughs) <laughs> oh it's the corn dog out your butt
0: corn <laughs> <laughs> <it Quinda> dog specifically <laughs> so I, I was it. a little surprised I was a little bit surprised I mean look this show can still skyrocket from here or tank from here who knows yeah, look, I,
2: I'm really digging it so far. I do not it gives me no pleasure to dislike Star Trek and especially uh Picard which is a a, a <laughs> direct follow-up to next generation I feel that there's you know cooler heads prevail although I do you know this is a greatest hits it's no it's, doubt. So many, no doubt. And I kind of, I, I want the board queen to win. I want her to prevail. I, I hope that she becomes a regular cast member in season three.
0: I'll tell you what, when she came out, I'm like, oh God, really? Really? We're going back there again. But after about her being on screen for five minutes and the dialogue between them, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see where you're going with this. Yes, and, queen. Come on. (laughs) I gotta admit kind of worked. All right, let's keep going here. What's next?
1: From Gonzi, direct uh Doctor Strange walks in front of a council in trouble. Charles, fear not strange. We believe in second chances. Isn't that Reed? Camera Pans. Miles Teller. Damn right. (laughs) Kevin Feige. Gotcha.
0: I got I listen. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. Miles Teller for about 45 minutes made a pretty good iteration of Reed Richards. The, the, a younger Reed Richards, you know, that kind of thing for about 45 minutes. And then everything that went wrong with that movie after that, cause I still contend the first act of that fantastic four movie is actually not bad. It, it falls apart after it, but all the things that fell apart after it had nothing to do with Michael B. Jordan or Miles Teller or, or Kate Mara or, and it had nothing to do with the performances. Um, but I wouldn't at all be shocked. No, I take that back. I'd be shocked if we see Miles Teller as Reed Richards. I'll be shocked.
2: I mean, I'll gotta, I got to. I got to tell you, I've always thought that Miles Teller was this year's Shia LaBeouf. However, I think <laughs> that his performances in Whiplash, uh, he's he's a really terrific actor, yes. and I. I really enjoy him. And you I, know looked,
0: I really liked him in, and I can't remember the name. Of it. He was in it with uh, Josh Brolin where they played smoke jumpers. They played firefighters. I thought, yep. I'm trying to let only the brave or. Yeah,
2: that was the one that uh, Joe Kaczynski directed. Directed,
0: right. Yeah. Uh, his, nobody saw it. One of Teller's best performances, and I include Whiplash in
2: that. You know, he's great. And look, he's, he's a phenomenal. He, and he's, he's in, in the Top, top Gun Maverick. Yeah, he's Goose's son, right? Yep. He plays Goose's son.
0: And by the way, they showed us a bunch of footage of that, including some of the dynamic between Tom Cruise and him. Good stuff. Mm.
1: Good stuff coming.
0: All right, what's next?
1: Victor, thoughts on the reports that Obi-Wan's script was overhauled because it was deemed too dark? Am I wrong for being nervous about this?
0: No. Somebody wrote to me. First of all, they went back. For those of you who don't remember, Obi-Wan was kind of ready to go a long time ago. And at the last minute, they decided to pull the plug on it. They weren't happy with where the script was at. And decided to go back to the drawing board with it. By the way, with the full support of Deborah Chow, who is directing this entire series, who was fantastic because we saw what she did with Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And some of the reports are saying it was a little bit too dark. And then I get people writing to me saying, oh, well, that means it's going to be all kitty." No, it probably just meant it was too dark. And if Deborah Chow thought, like, look, dark is neither a good or a bad thing. It's not like dark equals goodness. It doesn't. It's like anything else in storytelling, you can use it if you use it. right. But like anything else, you put too much of it in it, it's going to ruin it. And if Deborah Chow and the other folks over there looked at it and said, you know what? This will not deliver the highest quality Obi-Wan story that we can tell. It's too much like this. Because you're a fool if you look at the trailer and don't realize... There's gonna be some dark edges to this story. I mean, that's clear from the trailer. But if Deborah Chow and the others looked at it and said, the script as it is overdoes it to the point that it's gonna ruin the effect that we're trying to make, then that's a good thing. There are too many people out there that think dark equals good, and that's not true. It's like anything, it's like sugar in something. You put sugar on something, I love it. You put too much sugar in something, I'm gonna spit it out. And so it's it's all about balance. So I just laugh at people who say they've ruined, because I've seen some headlines. They've already ruined Obi-Wan because they took some of the darkness out of it. It's like, fucker, you haven't even seen the damn thing yet.
1: Well, and sometimes things are just too gratuitous too, right? Yes. It's, think of the Green Lantern comics. If we had seen his girlfriend shoved in that refrigerator or disembodied and seen all those parts, that'd be horrifying. But it's almost more unsettling to just see that little bit of hand and know, oh my gosh, someone like dismembered his girlfriend and put her in a fridge, but we don't see it. So it doesn't have that higher like graphic rating, but it's much more effective storytelling.
2: Also, maybe it just takes place during the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A little more. The sun makes a bigger appearance in this one than it does in the Batman. is
1: really bright.
0: All right. What's next?
1: Um, From Alfredo. Hi team. Catch the 1883 finale. Fantastic season. No, I watched all of
0: 1883 right up until they had the break. And I haven't had a chance to get back and catch up on and, and finish out the season. I really liked it up until when it stopped, but I have not had a chance to finish it out yet. Have either of you
2: guys it? I have
1: not watched no. the finale. And I, I know a girl who's in the show, and I really need to watch it. I haven't watched any of it. But yeah. I
2: I really have loved that series. Yeah, I, 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 up until the you know, point that I saw it, yeah. Can, you know what I love? You know that gunfight in the planes? Like that d- during the day when, when they were stealing the, the cattle. And yeah, they, when they are trying to sneak up on them. I had never seen a gunfight like that. Like, there's no cover. You're just in the middle of the... Guys are on horseback, and you're... I, I mean, I, I thought that was one of the most innovative Western gunfights I'd ever seen. All right, what's next? Loved it.
1: From Mickey Bell, two fantastic movies I watched this weekend, The Atom Project and Turning Red, plus fantastic episodes of Picard and Discovery. It's a good time to be a nerd. Yeah, listen. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I
0: am a big fan of Discovery. I like Discovery a lot. I will say, I have not loved this season. I did like this last episode. I think this last episode was probably the strongest one they've had this season so far. But I yeah, because
2: they ripped off like six different science fiction movies. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Who, who gives a shit? They they delivered a really good episode of television, and I liked it. But I have not been thrilled with this season of of so far. But you're right. Got to watch a great episode of Picard. Watch Adam Project, really enjoyed that. Loved Turning Red. It was a good couple of days, Mickey, for stuff that was on my screen. It was really, really good for that. All right, what's next?
1: From Jacob, when the Flash movie was announced, the TV show just started its first season. When the movie is released, the show will probably be coming to an end.
3: That's a good, that's really (laughs) good perspective. Wow. Yes.
0: That's really good perspective. Because I remember, now you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Amell the guy who played Oliver in Green Arrow. I, I, I think he's fantastic. Good Canadian kid. Absolutely wonderful dude. Has been on my show. Love the guy. I think he's tremendously talented. But I remember when they announced the Flash movie and you're right, it was when the Flash show uh, started its first season. And I remember Stephen saying something the lines of, this was disrespectful to uh, to Grant Gustafson and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, well, first of all, Grant Gustafson is owed nothing. He's an actor in a show who gets to play a role and get paid to do it. So yeah, there's nothing about him. But I remember thinking, well, no, it's it's great. You're piggybacking off each other. I thought it was a great marketing move Mm -hmm. because that brings attention to the Flash TV show and uses the show to bring attention to the movie project. But you're right. They announced this movie when that show was in season one. I believe we're heading into season eight (laughs) and there's still... No Flash movie. And they just moved it again. It's it's a really good perspective to put on that, Jacob. All right, what's
1: next? BJ, who just loves the show. Oh, thank you, BJ. Appreciate you, that, BJ. man, very much. I wonder to right, he next? has
2: the bear. <laughs> the what? BJ and the Bear. Oh, BJ
0: and the Bear. That that's going back a ways yeah. too All far. Right. I don't know
1: that reference. Yeah, What's I next?
2: i <laughs> <I'm not laughs> that old, see? It's the close to death thing.
1: No. <laughs> You're gonna live forever, Rob. Chef Rigo, no comment, just showing support. Oh, thank Chef you, Rigo. Chef Rigo. And by the way, we
0: we do I, I I'm thinking maybe Wednesday. We got to set up a night where we go out and have dinner uh-huh. at uh, at Chef Rigo's place. We're going to go over to Shogun there. Maybe Wednesday. We'll talk about it after we're done the show. All right, thanks for that, Chef. What's next?
1: Uh, Tim Platt, RIP Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon, Bad Guys Live Forever. Yeah,
0: apparently apparently he is still with us, mm-hmm. apparently, but but it's the they're getting ready to to pull the plug. So yeah, RIP to a legend. All right, what's next?
1: Chris Bursinas, I'm lucky Arizona doesn't change time either. Oh my gosh, good job, Arizona. Oh, yeah, yeah Arizona but again, farmers. the one bad
0: thing about that is you've got to recalibrate to what hour it is everywhere else. Because when I'm here in LA, I always know regardless of when the time changes, my home, Ontario, Canada, is three hours uh, ahead? Yes. Ahead. It's three hours ahead. Like right now in Canada, it's just past 3.30 in the afternoon <sighs> in Hamilton, Toronto, that area. And it's always is because we change times. So when I was living in Saskatchewan, where they didn't change time zones, I would always have to think, wait a minute, what time is it in Hamilton right now? Are we in the part of the year where we're two hours? I mean, it would be an awkward part. All right, what's next?
1: All right, from Jim, RIP William Hurt, the best Thunder Ross.
0: Uh, Sam Elliott was a pretty damn good Thunderbolt Ross, too. He really was. But no, William Hurt, iconic. He was great in the role as well. It really did. All right, what's next?
1: Reels and heels. I really liked Turning Red. It felt like Pixar's version of Teen Wolf.
0: But with a but totally different at the mm-hmm. same time, like it had that aspect. That was the fantastical aspect of it. But I'm glad you liked it. I I liked it more than I thought it would. And I go into Pixar films with pretty high expectations. Uh, I thought it was just a wonderful film. All right, what's next?
1: Av uh, Callie, how do you think of William Hurt passing?
0: Well, we spoke about that obviously a little bit earlier in yeah. the show. It, it 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 is an absolute tragedy. Far too young. The guy was still like acting his ass off, and it's just incredible. Again, one of the very very few in history to get be nominated for Best Actor of the Academy Awards three years in a row. I mean, that's a very, very rare feat. We lost one of the greats. All right, what's next?
1: Random Polygon sending in a $34 super chat. Well, thank
0: you, Random Polygon. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for the support.
1: Hi, John and crew. Just wanted to express my disappointment with the delay of the Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie. Star Wars plus Top Gun seems like the best thing ever. I hope they start work on it soon because I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. It brings up... uh, it brings up a question, and I and I bring this and I ask this a lot.
0: And this has been. And again, Kathy Kennedy, as far as I'm concerned, the moment she hangs up, up if this was the sports world, the moment she retires, she gets a gold key access to the Hall of, Hollywood Hall of Fame forever. Period. She's one of the Steven Spielberg calls her the greatest producer of all time. I don't know that she's the greatest producer of all time, but she is one of the great producers of all time. Her resume is unmatched. That being said, her biggest weakness in being the head of Lucasfilm, which is a different job, has been her inability to make sure she is on the same page with her storytellers prior to getting things moving. We've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again to the point Then we got Patty Jenkins, who only, you know, directed films that won Academy Awards, nothing big. They even go make this big drama announcement where she's on an airfield on a runway strip telling the story of her father and the fighter pilots and her love for those types of stories. And then her getting up and putting on a flight suit and walking down a runway to a life-size and Hot Toys speak one-to-one scale X-Wing fighter talking about this thing. Oh, but it turns out her and Kathy Kennedy didn't actually, weren't on the same page yet as to what movie they want to make. And then we find out there was creative differences and the movie gets delayed. It's like, once again, not even knowing if you and your storytellers are on the same page remotely before getting ahead of yourself to make these big public announcements and doing these big dramatical features only then to disappoint the fans later on when we find out there is chaos behind the scenes.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And as great as a producer as Kathleen Kennedy is, that has been her biggest flaw in, in trying to run Lucasfilm. And I am tremendously frustrated. Rob, I remember how excited you and I got. Dude. when they, That was one of the greatest movie announcements ever.
2: Plus the Rogue Squadron novels. I'm not saying they were going to go adapt them, but those novels, there's a lot of really good rogue squadron novels there's a lot of great storytelling to be mined there for what could have been a tremendous feature film and i just feel like wouldn't that already have been put into place when you make that announcement you take a crew out to shoot patty jenkins on an airfield like wouldn't that already been squared away
0: you would think wouldn't that make sense yes but again it's been as fabulous as she is, this has been her, her biggest blind spot at any rate.
2: Well, that was pre-Wonder Woman 2, <laughs> yes. so.
0: Um Anyway, Random Polygon, thank you so much for sending that in, man. Really appreciate the support, and thanks for being here, dude. All right, what's next?
1: Steve Alexander, we all need to appreciate the GOAT, Mr. John Campia. Been following you since 2013, Man of Steel. You're the best to ever do it, past and future.
0: I, it is still amazing to me how many people today still say, that the first time they came across my content online was that Man of Steel review, which is one of the many reasons why I have Henry back here. I mean, having my favorite Superman overlooking and protecting the studio space. Of course, when, when we do get a new studio, Henry will be coming with us, of Absolutely. course. Um, But it's amazing to this day how many people I still hear that their first introduction was from that Man of Steel thing. So, hey, listen, Steve, thank you for being along for the ride. I guess nine years now. Thank you so much for being along on the ride with us. Appreciate you being here, man. Will the
3: agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be transporting Mr. Cavill? (laughs) Yes.
0: I'm just saying, doesn't it need supreme security? You are what's called a shit disturber. <laughs> you, are, you are trying to disturb the shit here.
1: We need to get that for your death. <laughs> Cheap shit disturber. All right, what's next? Uh, Andrew Huffman. John, do you think the drops were just a representation of drugs to keep the Batman PG-13, or will that tie into a villain in the future? Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, Joker, what do you think?
0: No, I, I read some people saying, because you're not the only one to write in about this, Andrew. I had other people writing into me and saying, Well, I think they just called the drug drops so it could stay PG-13. I've seen cocaine shown and and talked about in PG-13 stuff. Like it's, I honestly believe the reason they use drops is it does a couple of things. One, when you create your own fictional drug, it gives you a lot of creative like leeway where you can now come up with what does this drug do? What effects does it have? To which degree? Because if you use a real-life, real-world drug, you got to adhere to the scientific understandings about what that drug is, what the actual statistics of it are, and all that kind of stuff. You introduce your own drug, you can do whatever you want with it. So I really don't think it had anything to do with keeping a PG-13 rating.
2: Also, you can't, you know, when when on the ratings board, they'll say for an R-rated movie, you'll say for drug use. Well, if the ratings board doesn't have anything that defines a fictional drug for that very reason yeah you know you can't what drugs what drugs are you talking about exactly
0: yeah there's not a distinction so no i really don't think there was uh, anything there like that at least that's kind of my my take on it all right what's next
1: all right from gt86 ben do you think wong will die in dr strange 2
0: you know there's a bunch of things we know about dr strange 2 and that's not one of them we don't i don't have the answer to that i don't know i on the one hand I think there could be some incredibly powerful storytelling if you kill him off. I mean, other than good Canadian kid Rachel McAdams, Wong is the closest emotional connection that Doctor Strange has. His death could be profound. On the other hand, I kind of feel like they're kind of setting him up in almost a, a, a Nick Fury kind of role, where he is popping up across the MCU. So I'm honestly going to say I think it's fifty-fifty right now. Chris, what do you think? What are the chances that you think does Wong die in Doctor Strange too? What do you? I think?
1: don't want him to, so I want to say there's zero percent chance. But I don't know that it would have a really strong emotional impact, and it, also it, it, would it would free up the uh, the mantle of sorcerer supreme.
0: I mean, and by the way, there's nothing in the MCU so far that is stated for the next person to become Sorcerer Supreme, the old one has to die.
1: That's very true.
0: I mean, it can be as far as we know in the MCU, it can be passed on. But you're right. It does kind of create that. I don't know. Rob, what do you think? Does Wong die in this movie? I don't want Wong, Wong to die. I really don't. Yeah. But I, Willie, love,
2: I love Wong. But Willie, it's not about whether we want him to. What do you think? Yeah, I, look, at this point, his, 10 of his variants could die for all I know you know a uh, uh, 10 of his multiversal counterparts will pass away who knows all right uh, i don't want him to what's next
1: ismail hey john went back to watch the batman but i saw the trailer for the northman wow it's amazing are you excited for it
0: they showed us a big preview for it at cinemacon and it became my number two most anticipated film. The Batman was number one. We've been talking about that a lot. Northman became my number two most anticipated film of the year. I'm dying to see this.
2: How cool I, does that movie look?
3: I'm glad Ishmael wrote in because I finally uh, got to his cookies. And you know what I noticed? They had black and orange sprinkles on them for yes. the Bengals. I, di- I didn't notice that, but thanks again. Oh, man. I didn't even
0: think about yeah, it being the bangles Bengals colors. colors. Yeah, yeah, you guys it's... have heard us raving about these cookies that we got from Ishmael. Yeah, these are the cookies. Ray finally had a chance to eat his. And, like, they were really good cookies, man. Yep. Yeah,
2: you know, let me tell you about how good those cookies are. Those cookies are so good. When you live in a house with three girls, I should have hit them better. Oh Yeah. I live in a I house went, with one girl uh, I should have uh, hit them really, The bag that he <laughs> handed them to me in, I thought, oh, the, bags, the bag, I hate this. They're still in the cupboard. The bag was in the cupboard. And then there was just the empty individual plastic bags Aww. that he put the cookies. Like, you know what? It chicks, man. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. What's
4: next?
1: Film Code Podcast. Rewatching the MCU has me thinking we'll see the greatest hero ever in the Illuminati. The one and only Kevin Bacon.
0: I mean, everybody's just six degrees short of it. Why not? He could be Reed Richards. I look just have him in the Illuminati as the guy from Footloose. That's it. Just, we didn't That's know, how like, I
1: changed that town. I joined the Illuminati. You
0: watch, if you watch the MCU, if you watch the MCU, Footloose is the greatest film of all time. Mm-hmm. Right? According to Star Lord, yeah, so maybe in the MCU, maybe across the galaxy, the entire galaxy's understanding of Earth culture is the greatness of Footloose. So why wouldn't the guy from Footloose be on the Illuminati? What if
2: Ren McCormick himself, the actual character that Kevin Bacon plays in so Footloose? Staying. Yeah, I mean him. That so it's actually Ren.
4: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, like only Marvel Bacon. Studios.
2: Oh,
3: sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. Uh, I said, if only Mar- Marvel Studios found cocaine. <laughs> Jeez! All right. What's next? <laughs>
1: From James. Good morning, everyone. We're sending in a $20 super chat. Oh, too. thank you, James. Watched the Batman this Saturday. I really enjoyed it. However, as many pointed out, the three-hour runtime was unnecessary. They could have shaved off 15 minutes without harming the plot. I, I agree. Yeah. Like, uh, listen, I I feel like
0: there were moments that could have been shaved down, tightened up a little bit, all that kind of stuff. But it, the movie never felt like a drag to me. Like, I do feel they could have shortened that movie um, and made it a little bit tighter, yes. But I'll sometimes say that about movies that I felt dragged in places. I never felt like the movie dragged. So it was okay, but it could have been tightened up, I think, here and there a
1: little bit. All right, what's next? Royce Freeman. Can filmmakers use body doubles who look identical to an actor and also voice double to add stuff into films the actors wouldn't agree to?
2: That's a good question. I mean, no. Yeah, well okay
0: First of all The actor should You should know before you start filming Whether or not an, You should know before casting Whether or not an actor agreed to do something or not um, And then if they didn't Too bad It's not their movie It's like okay If you don't want to do a nude scene Fine But the character in my movie Does and therefore, if you want to go out and get a body double or something like that. Now, I think that if you're going to do that, there's a responsibility to make sure it's mentioned in the press mm-hmm. that a body double was used. So it's, it's not so it's not a misconception. But yeah, the, I'm sorry. I don't care. The, the, these characters belong to the film. And if I don't care what the actor would or not do would do or not do, if the character would do it, then the character does it.
1: Well, and that's all stuff that you know, typically, even at the audition. Yes, Just, you should absolutely be like, made aware of that. Before you even submit to certain roles, you'll see this on Casting Breakdowns, this role requires this kind of nudity. And it's also something that like people talk about with their agents. What kind of nudity are you comfortable with? Because there are various ones. Are you going to do full frontal? Are you going to do some side boob? Are you showing your butt? You know, all those things are different things in your contract. Um, and you know that going into an audition... Actors also know that they are not required to disrobe at these auditions, and that's very important to know as a young actor that these are, like, the kind of legal things that go with this, too. Um, Ahead of time, you already know if you're going to have a body double. Ahead of time, you already make these decisions, and that's part of your negotiation for your overall contract, too, right? Because you'll get a nudity bump as well. There is, like, a higher, like, pay rate for disrobing. And then if you don't do that, they're paying for a double, if a director springs on the day, hey, I think it'd be interesting if now you guys got naked, that's a whole other ordeal, right? That's something just, I think, wouldn't it be neat if, no, 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 That's something that we don't do. But you're right. If the character requires nudity, that's something that upfront everyone discusses ahead of time. And ultimately, the director casting all of those people have the end say in, no, 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 this character has to disrobe. We're going to go with an actor who will do this.
2: All right. I thank you for sharing that. If I, I completely agree with you, but I will say this: there are there are times when somebody after the fact wants to throw in a body double to create nudity in some place where there isn't before. Mm -hmm. There's an ethical issue there because then it, because the audience doesn't know it's not the actor. Yeah, that's not nude, and I think that the actor should know that if you don't want to do nudity. We will perhaps use a body double to yeah. create the illusion that this nudity exists. Well,
1: I think even on just like a really like PG or G rated level, movie posters. That's almost never the actor's body, y'all. Right, like right. that. That Sandra Bullock and her sparkly uh, jumpsuit. That is that is not her body <laughs> in that photo they've just photoshopped something together so yeah a lot of times too even even just marketing materials are put together with body doubles or mm. we get soundalikes to come in and to do a little adr work if we couldn't get a hold of that person so
4: all
0: right what's next
1: um from Jermaine. last night my wife oh, oh with by a the fifty dollar fifty, like super 50 chat. dollar super no, chat amazing. thank you man for supporting us on that level amazing dude. uh last night my wife my wife woke up as i'm watching the adam project I make a sarcastic joke about, look, Hulk's uh, Deadpool's long lost dad and Gamora's is his girlfriend. 35 minutes later, she says, what universe is it where, where Hulk's his dad? Is this multiverse stuff? I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, look, we used to joke about this, that back in the day, you know, around the era of the first Iron Man and stuff like that, when a movie would come out that would have two different actors that were both in comic book movies. That used to be the fun joke. This movie has Iron Man with I I don't know Elektra. Yeah. Woo-hoo. You can't even make those jokes anymore. Every movie has five people who've been in a comic book movie yeah. now at some point. Well, this one particularly, because you're right. You have Deadpool. You have Banner. You have Elektra. And I'm sure there was probably some others in there as well. But yeah, you, it's, it just happens all the well, time. Now.
2: Zoe Saldana has been blue when she was a Navi. Yep. She was yeah. green when she was Gamora. And she was black as Ahura. There you go. Look at that. Three different sci fi franchises.
0: All right. What's one next? By the way, one. and by the way, uh, Jermaine, thank you so much for saying that And That's really generous of you. Thank you for supporting us so consistently like that. We really appreciate it. All right, what's next?
1: Mike McHale, The Flash and Spider-Woman both have a 6-23-23 release date.
0: Which one moves? I didn't know that. Which ones?
1: I mean, The Flash, because it's not mm. real.
0: The Flash, and which this fictitious thing that's not actually a real movie. And Spider-Woman, which is the one that's, I believe it's going to be directed by um, uh, Olivia... Wild is, is that not the one that Olivia? You know was, I, I do even Olivia Wilde doing Madame Web? Uh, I, I, think
1: don't doing know. I think she's doing Spider
3: Woman. I think she's doing Spider Woman. I thought it was Madame Web. Let me. Read what movie?
1: Yeah, Spider Woman. Oh, do yeah. we mean Madame Web when we say Spider Woman? No,
3: no, they're two different there, things.
1: There, a Spider Woman movie's been greenlit. Yeah, it where was have uh, I? Been?
0: And Olivia Wilde is going to be directing it, well, which I you might mean. be right. It might be Spider Woman. Very. I did not know. Well, first of all, I haven't even heard of any movement on Spider Woman in a long time. Well, no, they cast her. A while. No, 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 no. They did. They cast Madame Web. Yeah. A while ago, So I don't know, at this point, I'm gonna guess Spider-Woman yeah, will was move. Yeah, with Spider-Woman. Because I haven't even heard any oh, development okay. on it, so I'm gonna guess Spider-Woman will move. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Anthony C, hear me and rejoice. The GOAT, the living legend himself, Tom Brady, has returned. Hashtag, not really big surprises, but a welcome one nonetheless.
0: At one point, the other day, <laughs> a star shone in the sky, heralding unto humanity, behold, A blessings is being made upon the people of the world as the goat is coming back for one more year. I get to watch the NFL with more interest for one more year as the greatest of all time, Tom Brady as head coaches and quarterbacks around the league trembled in fear. Brady is returning for one more year. The now spice.
3: <laughs> Did you see that South Park episode where no. they try to get Tom Brady's poop? No the whole episode they're trying to steal Tom Brady's poop because it's supposed because he's so like great at his age that everyone was trying to get a fecal something so, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were all and then every time like you would hear that you would hear it, it'd be like the spice. The spice let's get Tom Brady's spice. <laughs>
0: Some shit like that. <laughs> wow. But there it is. He's coming back for another year. I mean look. This will not be, he's going to be 45 at some point next season. This will not be the best version of Tom Brady. The guy just won the Super Bowl a year and a half ago. So we'll, we'll see. But I was so happy yeah. to hear his back for one more.
1: Giselle go. got tired of his shit real fast,
0: I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's like, you know. Go back like, to work. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. And the kids are like, yeah we you know, good. We got the PlayStation Five. We're good, Dad. So it's like, all right, one more year. That is so good. Does that mean he automatically goes back to the Bucks, yes. or is it? Free He's going agency? back to the Bucks. Oh, okay. Oh. Back to the Bucks. Uh, his contract would still be valid. So there we go. All right. What's next?
1: Carlos sixteen ng. Hey, John and Company, was wondering what y'all think of Children of Men. Personally, it's my top five movies of all time. Did
0: somebody not just recently? Well, like wasn't it like two weeks ago? Somebody wrote an S about Children yeah. of Men. I thought it's great i don't think it's a top five of all one of the great
2: science fiction films of the 21st century
0: but it's wonderful one of the best continuous shots scenes also in the history of film with that whole the going through the building and down through the thing uh it's 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 philosophical it's deep but it's also exciting fantastic performances i keep on wanting to call i always confuse jude law and clive owen clive owen i always mix up clive owen and jude law um Clive Owen is absolutely fantastic. I don't know why he's not doing more stuff than he is today already. But Danny Houston's really good in it too. Everybody's great. I mean, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful film and it's truly great. I'm glad you like it, man. All right, what's next?
1: Um, our last one is from Royce Freeman. Can filmmakers use body... Oh, we already answered this one. I have a repeat. Um, so let me go over to your screen and see if there's a different one. No, that's the that's same it? thing,
0: I think. Yes, so just a couple of uh, doubles went on there. Yeah.
1: And guys, that'll do
0: it. For today's installment of the John Campion Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your Monday. Awfully great to have you guys here. Now, a reminder. Tomorrow, besides the next episode of the John Campion Show, we also have the newest meeting for all the membership of Movie Club. Make sure you guys come and join us. We're going to be talking about the Quentin Tarantino film Django Unchained. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it tonight or maybe get caught up on it again. And we're going to be talking about it on on, uh, tomorrow's movie club. So hope you join us for that. But of course, again, join us for the John Caba Show again in the morning. Guys, like and subscribe this video and to this channel leave thoughts and comments down below that all helps the channel as well we're awfully glad for that and by the way i also want to let you know if you want to get a live question or a question i should say answered by me or rob but you don't watch the john campion show live we do mailbag now three times a week and we've got a mailbag episode coming a little bit later today if you want to send in a question for mailbag that's going to be either on this one or the next show just go down to the description of this video and click on the tip link. Click on the tip link or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogdv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time. And all of us involved with the channel, thank you guys so much for your support. A big thanks to the people around the table here with me. That's the wrong shot. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Ray Orr. We got Chris Carr. We got me, John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.